0: have some important news for you interesting news
1: it's Blake and Darren's spilling the tea with Sandy
0: K-man's top news headlines of the day from CMR
2: brought to you by J Michael fashion for everyone good morning Sandy
3: hey good morning guys how you
2: doing we are good how are you
3: fantastic happy Thursday
2: yeah I'm good Spill some good. tea what you got
3: yes all right so we have our second confirmed case of locally transmitted dengue fever Um, I shouldn't say confirm because we're breaking it to you. So no one's actually confirmed it yet, but we know Uh, the person lives in West Bay. So again, folks, um, given the rain that we've had, you've got to be very, very vigilant about standing water, Um, you know, clear those areas as quickly as possible. And, um, you know, just be on the lookout. Uh, We've had an interview with the chief medical officer talking about some of the symptoms that you should be looking for. And if you suspect that you may have come in contact with a mosquito and you might be positive for dengue fever, um, you know, you might think something, please go and have yourself tested. There's a test apparently.
0: What, what are some of the symptoms?
4: Mm,
3: feverish. I mean, they, they mimic a lot of other things, to be honest. So I think if you present yourself at the hospital um, with, you know, sort of flu-like symptoms, mm-hmm. uh, but you've also got mosquito bites, they may actually, um, you know, but eye pain, muscle pain, bone pain, joint pain, having a rash, uh, you might have nausea, vomiting, headache, and fever. So some of the symptoms can be a little bit more serious um, as well. So yeah.
2: All right. So yeah, it does sound I like have... a lot of other things.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, exactly. All right, so COVID-19 policy has been discontinued for civil servants. Can you believe it's just being discontinued? But anyway, um, yes, so the civil servants had a policy in place regarding um, COVID-19, and so it expired on yesterday, and the government, the uh, public service um, division has decided to discontinue that entirely. So I think it's just a sign of, you know, where we're at. We're just kind of living with it as best as we can. Mm -hmm. Uh, So no more rules about isolation and LT testing and so on. But there will be booster shots available coming up in the fall. So if someone requires a booster shot, um, keep an eye out for details on when that is going to be released. The HSA's accident and emergency entrance is going to temporarily relocate. They've been doing um, some renovations and some moving around of different things. So over the next couple of days, they are actually um, moving From yesterday, 7 a.m. until Monday, October uh, the 2nd, they're moving to facilitate renovations to the ambulance bay. And so now the um, anyone requiring emergency care should go to the hospital's main atrium entrance and signage there will direct you on where to go from there. So um, just as an FYI, because I know a lot of people are, you know, uh, keen to kind of go on the side of the building when they have an Emergency, so mm-hmm. just go out to the front, and security is always there. Um, big shout out to Matt Brown, he's putting on a new comedy show um, at the Harco Theater. CNCF uh, is proudly behind this, and um, it's called What Happening. And it's uh, said to be, um, you know, comedic focusing in all areas of uh, modern life. And apparently, CMR might have a little bit. Of something something in there as well so we're going to go check it out um so yeah
0: i'm sure you are part of the fabric of, <laughs> of K man and i'm sure there's a
2: probably some sort of sketch uh, in there about you
4: uh,
2: yeah. I, I know matt brown he's a funny guy
3: <laughs> yes all uh, right so those are some of your news headlines this beautiful thursday morning
2: thank you sandy we'll see you tomorrow for the friday okay. headlines Sounds i good. will catch your show uh
3: All right, folks, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? We're going to um, get moving here in just a second. We got two minutes left, so sit back and enjoy our national song. Um, Someone sent me another rendition of this. Thank you so much. I will cue that up the next time as well.
0: Better, better, bolder, bolder. The cold hard truth is taking talk to the next level. Right here on Bobo 89.1 FM, Cayman's, Cayman's community, community radio. radio. We are still spilling the tea and committed to being part of the change that Cayman so desperately needs. Join Sandy Hill weekdays from 7.30 a.m. for Premier Access, Cayman Voices, Truthful Thursdays, and much more. Cayman's number one talk show is now bigger, bigger, better, better, bolder, bolder, and more than talk. Getting results with hot topics, consumer reports, court exposés, and more. I've come to set the record straight. I've come to shine the light on you, let me introduce myself, I am the cold, hard truth. Now, from the CMR studio in Grand Cayman, live. Direct. It's the cold, hard truth now. Now. Join the conversation on 345 936 2626.
5: That number again is
0: 345 936 2626.
3: good morning good morning beautiful people welcome 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 one and welcome all how are you guys doing this morning happy thursday how did we get here already how did we get here wow um hmm, well i don't know we're alive that's how we got here um good so good to see you guys as usual we do have some guests who are going to be joining us and Today's tea is going to be a little bit more spicy. Gosh, I shouldn't say any more spicy than yesterday, but anyway, um, it's going to get spicy. So I'm going to uh, discuss and have our guests come on first and foremost before we get into all that stuff, because I've been doing some thinking and gosh, you know, the more I think and mull things over, the more things actually occur to me. And um, sometimes that's not a good thing (laughs) for y'all that I'm actually talking about because then I, I, the puzzle starts to make a little bit more sense it's like when you're in the matrix you know um there are times folks when it always is um you know I, I don't know how to explain it but you might see something from a particular dimension and then somebody says something to you and they start talking about it and you start mulling it over some more and then the puzzle changes it's shaped entirely. And that's what's happening with the situation. I'm going to explain it to you guys. You guys are like, what the heck is Sandy talking about? I'm going to break it down. I'm going to explain it. Because it has to do with women in this community and our place in society. And it has to do with respect and everything else. And um, it's, it's going to be kind of deep. So I want y'all to be mentally prepared to go there uh, with me. So, let me see here now. I'm gonna go ahead and um, share the links and what's up. So folks, don't forget we're back on our usual YouTube channel. We've got two. There's the backup option, and there's the new one. Um, hmm. We're back on the on the on the usual one. Uh, so you can find us quite easily there. And uh, we've got a couple of things that we're going to talk about today. So we've got a pre-recorded interview with UCCI. We're going to try to squeeze that in. We're also um, talking with the anti-littering committee, um, the anti-littering uh, beautification—I think it's properly the, the beautification committee. So we have some members uh, represented from there this morning. We're just waiting. I think Mr. Sims from DEH to come on as well as Ms. Oh. Teresa. Um, I don't know. Let me double check. Is Ms. Heather joining us as well? Teresa, or is it just you and Mr. Sims? Um, I,
6: I can't hear you. Hold on. Let me just bring you on stage.
3: Good morning, madam.
6: Hi, morning.
3: How um, are you? you
6: me I'm good. I don't think so. You know, I think it's just Richard and I this morning. Okay. Yeah.
3: Well, that being the case, we're going to get started with you. Um, I did get a message that he's stuck in a little bit of traffic. Mm-hmm. So he'll be joining us shortly, but I know you can hold your own, honey. Chair. <laughs>
6: <laughs> and I'm I am have not see. Um, my kids uh have had to introduce me to become more tech tech savvy. Oh, I love it! You're so, doing it from oh, your phone today. Yeah, yeah. Don't have a choice. Uh, yes. Yeah, so there you Very go. So. Good.
3: And you look good. Oh wow! Uh, I can't. Yeah. Even. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so miss, um, Teresa, you're part of this beautification task force. Um, and, uh, tell us, you know, we spoke to you some months ago, what has the task force been up to, um, as of late?
6: Right. So I want to cram in as much information as I can, Yes. Uh, haven't. I'm not, and I'm not going to go into a deep dive with the history of this, right? Because we know mm-hmm. Heather's role in bringing this about, and we know the minister's transformation in making it into a task force. Mm-hmm. So what we've been doing primarily is trying to meet with all of these stakeholders to try and see if we can get them engaged. Mm-hmm. So for example, we met with the commissioner of police, I want to say about two months ago. And, you know, I had a we had a really interesting conversation with him because the view that folks tend to hold is that mm-hmm. the commissioner is either unaware or if he is not motivated to engage in this discussion mm-hmm. and he just wiped that concept away completely when we started to have the conversation he's very much aware of what's going on but one of the con- one of the central concerns that he has obviously Is when you're asking the police to get involved with something like this, that takes their energies away from doing other things like, you know, exactly. So we have to prioritize, you know, how we're going to engage the police.
4: Mm -hmm.
6: Made a number of useful recommendations about what we can do. And in fact, I was just taking a quick look at the notes. That I made coming out from the discussions that we had with him, because quite a number of the practices that um, he is suggesting, these are things that we don't even do on islands. So, you know, for example, we want to change the whole idea and the values around um, litter. The view that many people come in with is that, you know, Caymanians don't litter, which is not true. Uh, you know, we have to start charity starts at home. Uh We have been guilty of that ourselves, but that's more in the recent generation that you will see because, you know, one of the, some of the commentary that we received from people was that if you look at the older uh, Caymanian community, we were really, really, really very thinking, had the view that, you know, charity, um, Cleanliness is next to godliness. Mm-hmm. And certainly that's the way I grew up. And so much so that when you know you would invite strangers to your home, you would always mm-hmm. take whatever china that you had that was clean and give it to the stranger rather than use it for yourselves. Mm-hmm. So we have had a history of always wanting to um, convey um, how we view our history, our culture, and so on. And cleanliness has certainly been one of those. In recent years with people having different values, different um cultural experiences and so on when we engage them in our community we find that there is an increase with the litter there is that obviously the increase with construction and um you know people and just people just don't consider the importance of you know when you throw trash around Mm -hmm. how it actually impacts the environment how it impacts the um economy and some mm-hmm. of those things that are adjacent to issues. Like that. So those are not necessarily things things that come to mind. We even have people calling us and complaining about when they see people standing by the road, urinating, and that is not something that was would be a part of the Caymanian culture. Mm-hmm. So putting that whole thing into context, what we want to do mm-hmm. is to change mindsets, Change yeah. values, change and, the. Leg- and
3: do we know? Can I just ask you? Because I mean, it's so interesting that you bring up culture. Because obviously, we've been kind of hyper focused a little bit this week um, on culture, right? Um, I'm curious to know what has shifted in our culture that means we don't even care about our environment anymore. Like we can just throw garbage down. Somebody just sent me a picture off of Smith Road and I'm so disgusted when I see photos like this to actually think that this is our beautiful island because th- this is certainly not the Cayman that most of us know and yet it is the Cayman that's out there. Look at this. Look at yeah. the amount of plastic and litter and garbage pails and who who's doing this? Who does not care that they're using these sites as just dumping grounds to dispose of their garbage and to just throw stuff down. What, what has happened to the culture of cleanliness is is next to godliness? Where has that gone?
6: So there are a couple of elements, you know, when you try to um, take the uh, onion approach where you peel Uh off the layers, poverty is also one of those things because people cannot, many people that we are engaged with and that we observe, they really cannot afford to have proper dumping. The other thing is the time that it takes to um, collect your thoughts. I mean, most people are really only thinking about making an honest day's work in wage, Mm -hmm. being able to put food on the table and so on. So the priorities that in general that we have are a little different. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that the people, many people who are now working among us, they don't have the same values that we mm-hmm. have when it comes to that sort of thing, and mm-hmm. you will see them throwing stuff out of the window. And I mean, it incensed the minister so much on one occasion that he pulled his car off the road, mm-hmm. immediately called the police, took a picture of what was transpiring, and mm-hmm. that this was that he was so incensed. And people don't care. Mm-hmm. San- so if you're not a part, if you don't see yourself mm-hmm. as being a part of or included in this community, mm-hmm. the values that you have are not quite the same as you would have for your own mm-hmm. community. So there there, are a number well, of- Maybe
3: they don't care in their own country either <laughs> because I've been to some countries and you know, one of, it's, it strikes me as so interesting because one of the things that I, I always look at when I go to a country is the cleanliness of the streets and the environment. So whether I'm in New York um, Jamaica, Honduras, whatever, I take a look around and I see, is there sitting garbage everywhere? Because that's going to tell me a lot about that particular environment that I'm in. Um, so, I mean, I think that we also have to admit that maybe where they're coming from, they also don't care in their own countries. Um, so that attitude is very, very easy to transfer here.
6: So I'm usually cautious when I when I go down that, that road only because I tend to see that type of behavior as something that is stemming from a sense of poverty, poverty mm. a sense of not um, having real opportunities to uplift yourself financially and pursue mm-hmm. goals that, you know, make you feel that you have value. Because mm. if, if you as an individual don't have value for yourself, it's kind of like difficult when you're struggling to meet mm-hmm. requirements, you know, for you to even focus on. That doesn't excuse the behavior. But I'm saying that that is something I usually take into consideration. Mm -hmm. But I'll continue to underscore the idea is to try to change values, which is why, you know, I say to my team, you know, when we we've had this letter law in place since 1982, Sandra. The first time it was invoked was about Mm -hmm. a month ago when we ensured that the the EH had um, officers that were trained and they brought a matter to the court successfully granted the individual was only charged $200, um, yeah. or fine, which as we know is bubblegum. And in fact, exactly. one reasons, yeah, one of the reasons why people are saying, look, this $500 fine, mm-hmm. don't with it because people will come and very often pay the fine and mm-hmm. continue the same bad behavior. Yes.
3: It's certainly not a, um, it's not a,
6: a deterrent. a deterrent. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And in fact, even and. Again, I'm just going to try to go through things as I think of them when you raise the thought. Even when we're trying to ensure that everybody will be aware once they set ground on Terra in Cayman and they see they're going through immigration, they're going to have signs all over our airport showing them that littering is um, against the law and the fines. So that's yeah. got to be, so when people go to the courts, for example, mm-hmm. and start to say, well, we didn't know and, and, and we can't read and write, which is an excuse really because we're not really important people to do jobs here and folks that can't don't have literacy that is necessary to get the job done. But Mm. they're going to know right from the get-go that it's a fine and it's something that's Mm. taken very seriously by this community. And, you know, we're going to try to attach all of the ramifications that come with a breach of that to various different laws. For example, the immigration law. For example, your work permit. Um, Mm -hmm. All of those things are going to be attached to this whole idea of littering. Mm. If you come here, bring in a car and you dispense with the car along the side of the way with a government property, on government mm-hmm. property, we will, what we're trying to do, and this is coming out of one of the recommendations that the commission of police made, we're going to try to ensure that we have officers who can actually go and, um, one of, yeah, and I'll just say this also, because when we tag the vehicles, mm-hmm. some of times that's not a deterrent. So what we're now going to do is just simply remove the vehicle without even giving person's notification that we're removing it and then they're going to have to go to the government property or the various department to try and get the um the particular um vehicle back. So mm-hmm. but a lot
3: of them are discarding these vehicles because they're done with them so they're not going to well, be back well,
6: for it. <laughs> so. And th- and that is that is also a part of yeah. the problem. We recognize Mm -hmm. that people are bringing bringing in vehicles that are not only cheap, but they're only bringing them in just to get the parts Mm -hmm. because we've now had decades of bringing in cheap vehicle, bringing Mm -hmm. in cheap labor, I mean, because that's what they can afford. And then we're actually paying the price. We as a community paying the price because, you know, we don't have direct taxation. It comes to every one of us, whether we earn Mm -hmm. six per hour or whether we earn millions per hour, you know, Mm -hmm. so. We're now trying to look at that to ensure that there's a level playing field where that's mm-hmm. a concern. We've even spoken to the commissioner about ensuring that uh, one of his officers is going to be specifically identified and going and working with the BTF to ensure mm-hmm. this is something that is done on a regular basis. And we will also try to get a couple members of the BTF deputized by the commissioner of police because this is. the the whole idea of police and garbage this has to be a community effort this can't be by one person two person a committee or the police every single person have to be engaged everybody and it seems as though the message is actually reverberating because i get so many emails and so many um notes on um facebook about people wanting to engage and to try to do something about it so it's going to be more of a holistic approach, Sandra. And many people can be a little upset because, for example, in as much as we intend, the minister intends to increase the, uh, the fines mm-hmm. and to be reasonable because if somebody that's littering a can of coke, it's not the same as somebody who's littering um, huge, dilapidated vehicles and so on. So we're going to look carefully at the mm-hmm to make sure that it meets um, the breach. So there's that one element. The other thing that we want to ensure is that even when we have a financial penalty, it's not going to stop there, um, Sandra, because what we tend to find is that people will, like I said, pay for the financial penalty, but they don't do anything about the breach. So we're going to attach breach, for example, and compensation to something that the particular person needs the most so if you have a business and you're continuing to be in breach of the law that license could be affected we may be i mean i haven't spoken to the minister about this but this is coming in from a number of conversations that people have had with me when they come in and they complain and they say look mrs pitcairn we want to help we want to do something about it we've notified mm-hmm. People about it. We've engaged the police in doing something about it, and this particular person does nothing and continues to do that. And what it can do, it can reduce the value of your particular mm-hmm. property, especially mm-hmm. these ad hoc garages going all over the place.
4: Mm-hmm. So
6: what we so what we are going to do is really take a a deep dive and look into the sort of um, breaches that we see happening and the penalties that will arise and how best to ensure that the person in breach feels that pain mm. because best we feel that and understand that we're serious about this, yes. people are going to be willing to get engaged. And yes. we will be back to the same old, same old, same. Yes. I told Mr. Winniak, and, go on.
3: Yeah. I want to say too, that the other thing in terms of changing the mindset, Um, Teresa, which I'm sure you guys appreciate, is education. And that's why you're here, to educate the general public, but also educate our children. You know, I see children who grew up around nothing but clutter and junk, both inside and outside of their homes and their yards. And so they're being acclimated to that type of environment where they don't see anything wrong with that. They don't see anything wrong with throwing stuff down on the floor. Um, You know, sometimes I share with people, my daughter, she's only seven years old. And we're walking outside and she's like, mommy, why are people harming the earth? Why why is there all this garbage on the ground? Like if she sees a piece of plastic, she runs to go pick it up. Although I have to sometimes tell her, you know, for her own safety, she has to be careful what she's picking up because there's a proper way to pick up. Things that are discarded, right? But, you know, that's like her thinking and that's been ingrained in her. And I hate to say it. But I probably haven't done the best job of ingraining that in her. But I reinforce that it was actually ingrained in the schools that she's gone to. They've talked about the environment. They've talked about the necessity to not throw down garbage, to pick up after yourself, to put things in the proper place. Um, you know, so when she sees plastic or, or cans or whatever outside, she's actually bothered by that. And I think that our schools also need to get on board and make sure that as part of the curriculum from year one, kindergarten, pre-kindergarten, wherever we're starting our kids at, that that is a fundamental part of the message that we're I'm um, getting across your children. But we get one earth, uh, we have one environment, and we have to do our best to try to keep it as clean as we possibly can.
6: Same page, uh, Sandy. What When we started and we looked at this whole, this the idea of getting um, people motivated and engaged and changing the laws and stuff. It was such a huge chunk to chew. We ended up actually having to divide the committee into five separate areas. Mm. One of them was um, education. So we have a group, a team of people. And all, mind you, all this, we prepared a paper, um, a very, very comprehensive paper to the uh, minister. We gave it to them in June last year for a cabinet to review So in the education, we have the role that the PTA will play, the role that parents will play, teachers will play, the Ministry of Education, the role that it will play as well. More recently, when we were having some of the conversations, um, one of the team members said to us that, um, said to us that, you know, we we hear of kids telling teachers that, you know, they're not responsible for picking up any litter and that the helpers that are in the school are responsible for picking up the litter. So, you know, I said, well, you know, you can appreciate where that narrative is coming from, but we—that that is the sort of thing we need to change. I'm not, I don't like pointing fingers necessarily because, you know, people take it personally. And when people take things personally, you rarely get a, a lot of things done. So we thought of different ways in which We can get that message through Mm -hmm. and also be sensitive to the to the fact that we have children raising Mm -hmm. children, raising children. And many of the times the values Mm -hmm. that they will need, even as adults, Mm -hmm. they have because children raising children, raising children. So that so when we took that deep dive, we didn't just Mm -hmm. look at surface issues. We want to get to the root of the problem. And that's primarily poverty. You know, and I mean, you will probably have heard me. I I know many people were a little disenchanted with some of the things that I said recently about Mm -hmm. the role that big business needs to play as well. Because, Uh you know, you can't can't run a business and think that you're going to keep the mothers um, in your business, knowing Mm -hmm. that the mothers have families as well. And Mm -hmm. so the whole wide issue that we're, and I know this is a small bit, but as I said to the minister when he invited me to do this, it mm-hmm. also has to be about revolutionary thinking, mm-hmm. about how Khemanyu's value themselves. Mm-hmm. Because we're, you know mm-hmm. people are always saying to us, we are unassertive, calling mm-hmm. us stupid mm-hmm. and stupid and dumbing us down day in, day out. I mean, when yeah. you listen to the narrative about our leadership, you yeah. don't need to go any further than that to, to, mm-hmm. to see mm-hmm. how people see us. I would like us to use litter as small as and simple as people may c- consider that to be as a starting place to have the kind of conversation that we need to have about mm. self-love about community love about you know how we value ourselves because how we value ourselves will also translate into the narrative that we have about ourselves
3: mm. my um, dear those are some powerful words this morning. And you know what is so crazy about it is it applies to so many areas of our lives. We do have Mr. Richard Sims, um, who's been patiently waiting in the back studio. So we're going to bring Mr. Sims in this morning. He's the um, director of um, Department of Environmental Health. So they're the ones who are responsible for um, your garbage collection and pickup, up. And uh, to some extent, um, you know, they're part of the solution of trying to keep our environment as clean as possible. So Mr. Richard, are you with us? I see your microphone is still off. Let me know if you're ready. Um, if not, we can certainly continue the conversation. We've got quite a number of comments that um, are coming in as well. I don't think he's quite ready. So let's give him a minute to um, get himself sorted, but let's go through some of your comments. So we have Liana saying that we need more cycling facilities, glass makers, reuse of plastic containers, make art or home decor of these things. So I suppose that's one element of it. Um, And, you know, I always think, and this is something that I struggle with, it's not what you do with the stuff at the end, the um, life end of it, right? It's the fact that maybe you don't need it to begin with. And so we need to start re-examining how many things we're purchasing and what containers we're purchasing them in. And do we need to purchase all of these plastic containers that will end up somewhere in the environment? Because even if it's not on our little Island, it is being exported overseas. It's being placed in a dump or a facility somewhere that it's literally going to take millions and millions of years for it to be able to disintegrate into nothing. And so, you know, don't just think about your immediate environment, which will be your focus here today, obviously, but beyond that, where do the goods that you purchase and that you discard actually end up uh, recycling, repurposing, donating stuff? So they often say that what's one man's, you know, um, trash is another man's treasure. So that's why I'm all about, you know, I try to keep my stuff in good condition, shoes, clothing, whatever, so that when I'm done with it, that doesn't mean that it's the life cycle of that item. It's still in fantastic condition. And I can then donate to that, that to people in need and somebody else can get years worth of use um, out of those items as well. So thank you, Liana, for always thinking about how we can repurpose uh, a lot of the consumer goods that we do utilize. So Liana also says, plus the fine needs to increase to (laughs) $500,000. That would be, that might be putting it a little bit too high. Like, I mean, if, if supporting our um, you know, if we're supporting the thought process then I totally get it, but you can't put it too high where it's not going to ever be enforced. And Teresa, I'm shocked to hear, and I want to ask Mr. Richard about this, but I am shocked to hear that we've had legislation in the book all of these years, and we've never had anybody taken to court for it. I think that demonstrates how we and how the government and the police are not really serious about this issue. When did you say the legislation went into place?
6: So we've had it since 1982, and it went through some iterations in nineteen in the nineteen nineties. But if you if we that's how many yes, years? Yes, centuries <laughs> ago. So if we um take what the judge said in his judgment, forty
3: one years.
6: He said that this is the first um matter oh that he as a magistrate to deal with this, and kudos to Richard. And I'm hoping that he gets situated yes. really quickly because I don't want to continue. Richard,
3: something is going on with your camera there. Oh, there we go. Okay.
6: Okay, Richard, right over to you. And (laughs) I would only touch on cost that Leanna made. One of the reasons why you will see that these fines are going to be significant Mm -hmm. is because it's going to cost the government to get that particular matter to the courts. Mm -hmm. So you're paying the court staff, you're paying the DH staff, you're paying the... So the cost that we get as a consequence from enforcement should be able to pay for the um, the cost that it is to bring the uh, matters to the courts. Richard, morning, welcome, and I'm gonna just leave you right there. Run with it. Yes. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning sir. Good morning. How are I, you? I'm I'm I'm
7: fine, thank you. Um, my apologies for being a little tardy. This yeah, morning. that's
3: that's quite all right. So, 41 years legislation was on the books, and we've only had our first ever conviction. They only got to fine of what $200, but. And
7: I guess in order to clean it up, was that part of the uh, mandate as well? Well, the thing is, you, you know, over the years, you know, there's been challenges with with, with prosecution. Um, mm-hmm. you know, because, and some of that, too, is, is the way how the legislation is written, too. Um, because, you know, when you're first dealing with litter, um, you, you have to give an abatement notice. So you have to sort of, which is sort of like a warning to do something right? Mm-hmm. That you have to clean up the area and stuff like that. And so mm-hmm. um, 90% of the time you'd find that whenever um, we have to to get involved where abatement notices have to be served, people mm-hmm. comply because they understand that you know if you don't then there'll be uh, repercussions of prosecution, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, hence the reason that is some of the reasons um, plus previously you know, there were staff who weren't really trained per se in, in, in how to deal with the full in full-on investigations uh, uh, you know how to take it on from from beginning mm-hmm. and take it through the court systems. so you know in, in preparation for that i you know engage the services of um, the dpp office to mm-hmm. assist us in training the staff and how to do case file preparations interviewing suspects and all these stuff, different things and so as a result of that um we were able to to put persons before the court yes for the first time <laughs> 41 um, years,
3: know, wow! I mean, it's yeah. it's it's shocking.
7: Yeah, but, but you I, know when, you, when it's
3: a first, so hopefully yeah, more. Yeah, when, you,
7: when you think about things like that, where you know, you have to resort to prosecuting somebody for keeping their own mm-hmm. space tidy. You know, what I mean, it's 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 really disheartening because that is something that um, that should come naturally to us. I mean, and I, I, I know Miss Teresa um, mentioned it earlier. You know, when we were we were kids, we, you know, I can, I can guarantee you every Saturday morning there was our task to sweep up the yard and mm-hmm. you know make sure everything looks tidy around the place.
4: Mm-hmm. But
7: nowadays it seems like you know we have a lot of don't care attitudes, and if if mm-hmm. we go and and I, and I find challenges with my staff, you, know, you they would go and talk to people to say, hey, listen, you have to clean up the space, and it's and it's sort of like an argument as to why mm-hmm. they don't want to do that or, or can't do it, you know, especially when it comes to getting rid of derelict vehicles and stuff like that, you know, people mm-hmm. tend to, we understand people want to hold on to, to, to their antique, but if your antique is not looking good and it's making the neighborhood look bad mm-hmm. and it's, and it's been, you know, kept in such a way mm-hmm. that you run down the neighborhood, then it's not, a, no yeah. longer an, an
6: antique, it's a new, yeah, it's, right? it's trash.
3: <laughs> I well, mean, well, yeah. as Maybe yeah. people need to, sorry, Teresa, go ahead.
6: Do I said and also a home for rodents. By the way, Sandra, people are saying that they're trying to get call. I don't know if this is Um, nine three
3: six. I haven't seen any calls come in yet, but nine three six two six two six is the telephone number. So um, I haven't seen any rings yet, but um, yes, I mean, (laughs) you know, um, more education has to happen because it can't be that people think you can have a vehicle standing water. Um, all these things. And that is not just bad for the environment, but that's actually bad for the health and wellness of the community. Absolutely. Good morning, yeah. Carl. Hello. Yes, morning.
1: Good morning. Good morning. I'm glad you have Mr. Sims on the on the radio. I am having an issue with a, dere- a derelict vehicle parked on my business property.
4: Mm-hmm. The
1: last four weeks now,
4: mm.
1: I have called the police station when I called the police, they tracked the license plate. The police informed me that the vehicle had been sold. The lady told him the vehicle had been sold. I called DEH yesterday because I was told that normally they would tag vehicles. Mm. And the, uh, the lady on the line told me, well, you know, I would have to come to DEH to fill out a form and pay $75. Well, it's not a matter the $75. It is a matter of the principle of the matter mm-hmm. because to me, When I import a car or have a car registered in my name, it is Mm -hmm. my corporate responsibility if I have sold the vehicle for me to transfer the license. That's Mm -hmm. the first thing. If I haven't, then Mm -hmm. I, as the owner, uh, is ultimately responsible for that vehicle. In other words, if that vehicle that is parked on my property had committed, let's say an offence, had killed someone, Mm -hmm. had committed, was involved in a robbery, the police would have found the owner. And yeah. I was saying to them, please find the owner and tell them that they need to move the vehicle off of my property. It is obstructing my business. Mm-hmm. This is three weeks, ma'am. Three weeks. Mm-hmm. And you know what they told me? You know what they said to me? That if it's on public property, that mm-hmm. department will bear my for free. Mm-hmm. That's what I was told. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. At one point in time. This is going to become public property and DEH will have to come and move it because I am tired. I think I have been very patient now Mm -hmm. with the vehicle and it has not been moved. And the other thing is, as far Mm -hmm. as I know, in the law, when Mm -hmm. I imported my car or anything, there's an environmental impact Mm -hmm. fee, which Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. takes and takes off for disposal. So Mm -hmm. why is the vehicle sitting there? In other words, to me... Mm-hmm. In- increase then the environmental impact, but it's $500. So, if, if, if eventually the vehicle is sold, then mm-hmm. eventually somebody has to pay for it. Let's say DH have to move it, but well, at least they want to recoup that money. Because I tell you, the average person cannot maybe afford $75 to move it for mm-hmm. um, so the vehicle to be disposed. It is not fair. It is not, honestly, and the police was sort of, like, not safe, I mean, they didn't, they didn't pass on who the previous owner was, mm-hmm. but they spoke to who the, the car was registered in, and they said the person said they had sold the vehicle, and that was it. That was all they told me. Mm-hmm.
3: What an experience. Right. So, thank you. Thank you so much, Carla. us right. see what um, Mr. Sims has to say. Thank you. All sure.
7: right. A um, couple of points there that she raised, right? Um mm-hmm. First... Let me address the, the private um, versus public spaces. Mm-hmm. Right? When a vehicle is in a public space, right, mm-hmm. and it is constitute a derelict, because what may be a derelict to you, you know, may not necessarily be a derelict to us, because we have to make sure that it's a derelict in accordance with what the law says a derelict.
4: Mm-hmm. Is,
7: right? So, and in addition to that, um, it, it 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 for example, what you see as a derelict vehicle with m- missing wheels, windscreen. You know, doers, that sort of stuff, obviously being taken apart, right? And in addition to that, the vehicle must be expired for more than six months. Okay.
3: That's so what qualifies as a derelict vehicle?
7: Exactly. So if it's not, if, if it's, if a vehicle is not um, expired through registration for more than six months,
4: mm-hmm. then
7: we really can't touch it, right?
4: What? Um, the, yeah. think, but, maybe
3: maybe that legislation all, needs to change because yeah, yeah. yeah doesn't make I any mean, sense because now that explains why when people crash their vehicles, they just leave it there forever. And it would never be considered a derelict vehicle because the registration right. might be perfectly fine.
7: Okay. Uh, let me let me address that point that you just made in relation to accidents, right? Mm-hmm. Remember now, it's highly likely 90% of the time um, when a vehicle involved in, a, in an accident on the street, right? It is a licensed and very insured vehicle. Mm-hmm. It just that it got involved in an accident. Mm-hmm. No, that is not a matter for the Department of Environmental Health. That's a matter for the police to ensure that the owner removed those vehicles off the streets, right? Because mm-hmm. if it, it, remember now, the only difference you're you're now saying it's a derelict because it is mm-hmm. it involved an in accident has been sitting outside the road. But then there, there are a lot of people who might be interested in that. The insurance companies, I can't just go and take those vehicles and then go crush it. And then it's mm-hmm. a subject of an investigation that is ongoing. Right? Right. So where, where, whereas where there's a true derelict vehicle in a public space, I can assure that somebody tags it and moves it within within 24. It gives what the tagging does. It? it gives the, the owner notice to remove the vehicle within 24 hours unless or, or else we will remove it for you and if we will remove it for you it means highly likely that we're going to take it to the landfill and destroy it which which then indemnifies me under the law for taking that action all right so you, you have to, to to look at what is involved how the vehicle is involved for us to to actually go and take action now the lady mentioned that she had this vehicle in her parking lot which is okay. a private company's parking lot
4: Mm-hmm.
7: It's not in a public space so you as the owner of that property has the right to to remove it
4: mm-hmm. and
7: hence the reason why when it come to to the department of environmental health we'll say well yes you can move it because it's well within your right to clear your property if the owner refuses to move it so this is where we will then say okay give, you know you have to pay 75 and we come and remove it all right but if it's in a public space that gives us all the authority to target and give it time and when we remove it, and if we destroy it by in, in that sense, then we are indemnified under the law, right? Now, so she
3: can, um, just to clarify, um, Mr. Sims, what you just said, she can contact you all, and you're not going to give her a runaround about, well, it's not your vehicle, you don't own it, blah, blah, blah. She can contact no. you and say, there's a derelict vehicle on yeah. my property, what? I want to have it removed. Yes,
7: and what she pays pay for property. it, to remove, we'll, we'll remove it. Okay. No in terms of the the the, the environmental impact
6: hold it and that's a part of the problem
8: yeah. because
6: we're now passing on that breach to someone else who's not responsible and that's mm-hmm. one of the things that we're actually um looking into very seriously yes. and with respect to the whole insurance thing we know that the courts have given um made a decision using something the with the example that the lady just used a, buys the um, car today
5: mm-hmm. and
6: sells it to somebody tomorrow. B, mm-hmm. sells it to somebody um, the next day. C, sends it to another person mm-hmm. up to D. So you have that um, that um, continuum. And what the courts have said is that because this has gone on for such a long time, they're not necessarily willing to hold the last holder of the um, the, the car responsible for any kind of cost that would arise, because it's impossible to get those costs mm-hmm. from the original owner. Right. That's going to stop now because, yeah. I, and I'm not even sure what authorized the courts to do that. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, but anyways, it is something that we're definitely looking into and mm-hmm. trying to make sure that that forms part of the policy that we're, mm-hmm. we're looking into. Because le-
3: legislatively, you can change these things yeah. and not leave yeah. it up to the court's discretion.
6: Yeah.
4: And able yeah. To speak,
6: so, so Sandra, that's a lot. Of, a lot of what we're hoping that cabinet will approve once the uh, minister t- uh, submits it and articulates the concerns and stuff. You know, we will ensure that discretions are given not only to the to the courts, but also to the persons who are going to be actually, like I said, using the example of the const removing a vehicle from a public space without notification and as richard rightly say, you know um they know they usually um notify the um and by the way richard let me tell you thank you publicly for the work that you have done um, i know this is not an easy job and i know even members of committee give you grief but I want to say a public shout out and give you creds and thank you for the work that you've done. And I'll just let you um, go on. Yeah.
3: All right. So Peter has a suggestion that I'm I'm thinking that you will not agree with. Peter says, tow the car onto the main road and leave it. That's exactly what we don't want people to do.
7: <laughs> then we'll have a flood of uh, derelicts on in the, in the streets, right? But but I just want to address um, the, 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 the environmental impact fees that um, the, uh, your caller um, mentioned earlier. Um, that fee, right, that, that you pay, uh, which I, and, and I do support and I've said before that maybe we can find some way of including the, the you know, maybe an additional $75 that we charge for um, for the, the towing of the vehicle when, when it needs to be taken from your home to your landfill, right? Mm-hmm. So that way you just pay one upfront cost, then you don't have to worry about it after that. But that fee that you actually pay is for processing the vehicle in the landfill, when it's come to its end of and and the end of its useful life, right? So that is that is actually what that is for. It's not for coming to your residence or or, or anywhere and collecting that vehicle and transporting it to the landfill.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow! All right, let's take in a yeah. few comments. Um, <laughs> it's quite shocking. All right, so C says poverty and despair would make people not care about the environment around them. Someone else on WhatsApp says that they're not quite um, buying that story because Caymanians uh, have been poor for a very, very long time and we still had a lot of pride. So this person says Caymanians practice sustainable lifestyles before it was a buzzword. We reuse items. How do you think wampas were invented? We only took what we needed, but we wasn't dirty. So poverty does not equal nastiness. We have imported too many people who don't share our values. And the urinating on the public roadway is a prime example of that. And that's something that we talk about all the time here on the, on the program, where people are now doing that. Um, and it's, it's astonishing how people seem to think that it's okay. Johan says, we import too many people from all over the world that come from places where littering and nastiness is acceptable and a way of life. Plus, too many locals are lazy and assume government <laughs> going to clean up after them. It's disgusting. Clean up after yourself. Ramelia says, "Sandy, I invited you out numerous times to show you this. Um, you were just so busy. Yes, I am busy. Um, yeah. But you know, I, I have said I'm happy to go into neighborhoods. But Miss Ramelia, I don't need to see it in Windsor Park because I see it all over the island. I take a drive out East End and I see it." Uh, thankfully, my neighborhood isn't too bad, but we have a derelict home in this neighborhood where that person just doesn't want to clean up their yard. And right now we have, you know, standing water that will sit there for days after the last rain um, in the middle of a dengue fever outbreak. So again, public health concerns come out of, of a lot of the lack of um, cleanliness that we see around the place. Uh, Zalpha says there's a truck filled with garbage by the plaza on Smith Road adjacent to the HSA building. Can DH not do anything? Um, a truck filled with garbage. Ms. Zalpha, maybe give us the exact location. You said it's adjacent to the HSA building. Is that Smith Road Plaza or is that because HSA actually has more than one building now, but maybe just give us an exact location and that would be helpful. Ms. Uh, Venice uh, says, cleanliness is next to godliness. I asked the question, where is godliness gone? <laughs> godliness is down the drain and so has cleanliness. Uh, Johan says, with derelict vehicles in neighborhoods all over Cayman be considered littering and subject to a significant fine. So I think Mr. Sims was just explaining the difficulty in particular when it comes to um, derelict vehicles. So there's an issue of tracking down the owner and there's yeah. also obviously an issue with where the vehicle is located. Is Are those kind of the main concerns I'm hearing coming out of this situation, Mr. Simms? Yeah.
7: yeah, but I can tell you, as, as it relates to the vehicles in neighborhoods, right? Because remember now, the the, 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 the streets within your neighborhoods are considered public streets, right? Yes. So if there, if there, there are vehicles um, on those streets, will certainly be... Um, addressing those and and, Mm -hmm. and serving the appropriate notices Mm -hmm. I can assure you right um, you will see some differences in the next coming weeks um, because Mm -hmm. I've just um, got three brand new grapple trucks um, that are in our possession right now and they're they're currently um, being decaled and getting ready to to be placed on the road Mm -hmm. so you know as of I can as of next week we will be going within the neighborhoods because there'll be one one truck specifically assigned for this purpose, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we should be able to clean up the streets in the next couple months, um, you know, but what started next week we will be going into the neighborhoods um, to, to get this done. So um, if, if, if you don't want your vehicles to be removed, mm-hmm. best you take it and put it into your yard, secure it properly. Um, but um, if it's, you know, something that we consider to be a derelict under the law, then I can assure you that we will be taking action and
3: having it mm-hmm. Hmm. Very good. Um, so, Johan, hopefully that answers your question. Liana says, what happened to the junkyard that was behind Uncle Larry's on Eastern Avenue? Well, I'm happy to say, Liana, this is where when Teresa talks about the responsibility of, um, you know, private sector as well, that property was actually purchased by the DART organization and they cleaned it up very, very quickly. And I I only remember this because at the time, um, I think somebody was renting that. It was like a garage or something and someone was renting it and DART had given that individual notice to vacate so that, um, you know, they could dispose of all the derelict tires and everything else that was kept in that property. And there was some kind of discussion around it, like, oh, you know, who does Dart think he is? Well, he's a person who obviously wants to keep the properties that he owns um, to some standard. You know, people were actually upset about that. They were upset that he had given this company, whoever it was, notice. That was something that as you come out of the airport, you fly into our country, that's one of the first things you see if you're going out in the eastern districts is this. um, I think I got a mosquito in here. Is this derelict um, site, like it was just such an eyesore. And look at it. Now it is green grass. It's kept nice and clean. There's no debris there. And um, I thank that organization for making that move. So, you know, it says a lot about us that we have a mindset that sometimes when people try to even clean up their yards um, or clean up neighborhoods, we're actually fighting them down and thinking that there's actually something wrong with that. Pretty crazy if you ask me. Um, so lots yeah, another, of questions another. and comments coming in. Mm-hmm.
6: So people can yeah, another actually, issue. I was just going to say that, um, uh, just to, uh, tag on to a comment based uh-huh. about this is a whole community effort. It's not yeah. just isolated to different departments, government departments and so on. If you see something, say something. We're good at yeah. taking videos. We're good at taking pictures. We're good, mm-hmm. and there's um, we can always submit all the queries that we have to DEH. And I'll leave that to um, Richard to let you know how we actually communicate with mm-hmm. him. to make Those um complaints. Yes, see something, you know, do something about it. Mm-hmm. The end the note, <laughs> although this is something that ever is on everybody's some be the change that you want to see, you yeah. know, yeah. And then, Start getting engaged and active and get this done because when we do it when we do it together, it's more likely than that we will be a success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, and I definitely
7: encourage people to report on or you know, littering and and, and 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 illegal dumping as well as um, daily yeah. because you can you know either call us at 949-6696 or um you know send an email to our DEH customer service.gov.ky. Mm-hmm. and um you know someone will definitely respond to you but at, also in the same but you know we want to make sure people are have the understanding that you know just if you if you actually see someone dumping something we just be ready and prepared to give statements to say just mm-hmm. that because we need that sort of um evidence to take to the courts to, to have a successful prosecution right
8: yeah um,
7: if you just want if you're just giving us tip about an area it's mm-hmm. hard to kind of go to the area and, and find the evidence of actually who did it. We can see that there there is litter everywhere, yes, but then sometimes it's that fingerprint that we need. For example, you know something I mean we got lucky once I believe where we were able to find somebody with a mailing address um, mm-hmm. name in, 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 in the rubble and um, we were able to put a file together for that.
3: Mm-hmm. but wonderful.
7: Um, you know but there are those majority of times when you know we hear of littering, and and we go to the spot and we all we find is you know (coughs) we're able to clean that up and 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 leave leave it nicely but we want to prosecute people for for that sort of action because that cannot be tolerated right
3: yes we do have a caller on the line on the line good morning caller welcome to the program good
9: morning
3: morning morning good
4: morning Um,
9: good morning teresa and good morning to Mr. Sims, is
4: it? Yes,
9: Richard. Yes, Sims. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have to say, first and foremost, I am a little bit confused mm-hmm. as to the purpose of the beautification task force or committee or board or whatever it is. Please mm-hmm. forgive me for not knowing, um, not knowing the proper name that is. Um, upon the implementation of this, I remember calling in and asking a few questions and that's been some time ago because uh, i had actually spoken to quite a few people years and years ago about a problem that i'm having in my community mm-hmm. i know that um the mp the savannah came out had a look pictures were taken and um, nothing has been done okay it is private property mm-hmm. so i don't know like i said whether this has been the task force has been set up to be anti-littering. Is it to clean up the island? I don't care what community it's in. Or is it in an effort now to catch the recent people littering, find them, and so on? Mm-hmm. Because um, especially the area I'm talking about, there, I did hear the gentleman say something about what constitutes a derelict vehicle. So alas, if it's there rotting for years and years and years, Mm
4: -hmm.
9: would that not constitute it as derelict, whether it's on private property or not?
7: Well, you see, once a vehicle is um, creating a new you see there's different different ways about dealing with these things, right? Um, So when you have a derelict vehicle in a public space, that just requires a tag. We can move it within 24 hours and dispose of it. Mm-hmm. When a derelict vehicle is a, a private property in a neighborhood, now th- that's 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 a different type of notice. Now, where you would have to give an abatement notice. For example, if that vehicle is, um, you know, they're causing you know a nuisance by eyesore, um, or you know, it's having rats and all these different things in it, snakes mm-hmm. and whatnot, then you know that requires a different notice where. A, a, have to serve an abatement notice. And an abatement notice it normally uh, gives the person about 20 days to clear up their property. Right. Mm-hmm. And then after, they can also apply for an extension if they have made efforts to try to do some things but haven't got all the necessary uh, funding and resources to get things mm-hmm. done. Um, you know, but I can tell you know there often times when, when we, we do offer um, our, um community services to, 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 to members of the public mm-hmm. who we, we know or uh, definitely can't afford certain things. All they're required to do is fill out a, a community service form and, and we, we will assist them, right, uh, where mm-hmm. we can. So, but there, there are avenues for that. But but it, it it's a longer process than a derelict vehicle um, sitting on the, in a public
9: space. Mm-hmm. Uh, please forgive me, but I'm having a little difficulty hearing you.
4: Mm-hmm.
9: Um, I think I forgot to mention that this is undeveloped okay. private property. Um, I don't know if that makes a difference or not. But my concern here is the length of time that I've been trying to get something done about it. And it is a hazard to the community and especially to the properties, you know, directly across from it. And um, also, I wanted to ask the question, I, I guess the laws could have changed. I wouldn't have to know. I could have slept through quite a few. Um, But I know once upon a time, you know, if you purchase property, uh, you were told or it was in the mandate that you had to keep the property cleared. And if not, then um, you would be fined. And I forget how much it was. Now, I have someone telling me that if you have a piece of property and you want to clear that property, and I'm speaking about private property here, not commercial property that you have to make an application to planning, pay, and then wait for permission to clear that property. Is that the case?
7: Yes, as, as far as I know, that's the case. You have, If you want to um, engage in land clearing, you have to make application to planning. But I don't want to speak too much on that because that's not my area. No, no, my, my, no. I don't want I to mislead
9: No, my, no. I don't mean... If Brenda, were, if a as a business, Brenda, I would mean,
6: you Brenda, want to have? Yes. Brenda, if you don't mind, stick a pin because you've just actually raised a hugely important point. Uh-huh. We have a whole plethora of laws that actually address litter, litter, uh-huh. but they're not in alignment, and it's and I'm gonna call this out today only because I've been shouting this song now since June 2022. Uh-huh. But if you
9: would allow me it, to just interject. Uh, that was the point I wanted to make. Because one law is contradicting the other law, and it doesn't encourage anyone to do the right thing.
6: Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that they're necessarily in contradiction, but I would say that they're not in alignment, and it's difficult to get all of the ministries responsible to be engaged in doing this. And as you know, I, and that's as far as I will go with shouting out. And calling people out because I don't mm-hmm. like embarrassing people, as we know. That's been a fundamental problem that we've had. And like I said, this is from June 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately now, Richard, I have to run because I okay. haven't...
3: Caller, thank you so much.
6: Yeah. Thank and you. I'm- um, all all the very best for the um, and thanks very much, Sandra, for having us on. Richard, yes, absolutely.
7: Thank you, thank you, thank you, Madam Chair. I appreciate I think, it. Uh, okay. would, yeah, I, I can't stay on much longer anyway, but uh, because I yes. have another meeting to Okay,
3: there, but, so everybody's busy this morning, but um, let me say this that maybe I can Mr. give you another five minutes. <laughs> yeah, maybe Miss Teresa doesn't want to call people out, but somebody has to. And so, then the question okay. is if we, from a legislative perspective, have seen these um, issues with the different pieces of legislation. Why hasn't that been a priority for legislators to fix? I know you can't speak to that, sir, but no.
7: I, but I can just say, say though that the, you know the, the, this is in the pipeline. You know, there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes with mm-hmm. the legislation to make sure that um, that you know, at least from the environmental health perspective, that things are done in accordance with the public health law, right? And um, we're looking at actually creating um, a a, a separate law for environmental health, which would tie up a lot of these things for us to enforce. Um, You know, I I know that some people are, you know, they would criticize how the enforcement of things are being done around here. But we we, we are following the law, right? Um, The the, the way how the law is written, it, it sort of gives us the opportunity to warn you a couple of times first before it goes to ultimate prosecution, right? This mm-hmm. is where, when I mentioned um, the tagging, what that is, mm-hmm. is, an, is is sort of a warning notice to you to do something before we take action. When it comes to what an abatement notice is, it's, it's an, a warning notice to you to take mm-hmm. action before we take action right so you know it 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 may seems like you know we're not doing anything when you don't understand how mm-hmm. the, the application of the law works and, mm-hmm. and 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 so on so it's easy to criticize oh dh is not doing anything but, but we are mm-hmm. actually doing something but because if somebody complies with the notice for example then there's mm-hmm. there's no action for us to take right and right. then you know what you see happen is sometimes they'll, they'll comply with the notice yes and then you don't see it for a while and then you know six months later or so they start doing the same thing again. And you say, mm-hmm. Well, oh, but I reported this matter to DH, they did nothing. Mm-hmm. But we didn't actually we did something, but you know, it's just that the person um, either didn't learn anything from that and then start doing it again, and then we have to go through the whole warning process again because it's now a separate action, right? Mm-hmm. And and so when you when when you end up in court from the Department of Environment Health, you know that we have exhausted all efforts with you and mm-hmm. we you give you enough notices, enough warning for you to end up there. So if you end up in court, it, you, mm-hmm. there's no excuse, right? Because you yes. cannot say we didn't give you so th- Those
3: are definitely the worst case scenarios because you've given them warnings, yep. you've contacted them. But still one case in 41 years, I mean, I still <laughs> find that a hard pill to swallow. But anyway, um, yeah. so are we looking at increasing the fines in any meaningful way?
7: Um, you know, we've made our recommendations, um, but at the end of the day, that's 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 up to the legislators to do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whether they want to increase that or not. You know, I, I mean, you, you you've heard some people say, "Yes, let's um let's increase fines." Some people say, "Why why do it now when when they kind of, when people are hurting?" But when I say, "You know, people, you you should take care of your space, not because you're hurting. I mean, you should be nasty, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, just 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 be." a good citizen and, and 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 regardless of what circumstances you find yourselves in um just take care of your space and be and respect other space because you know you have people who are illegally dumping on other people's property the owners don't themselves don't know until we contact them and saying hey i'm going to serve you up on abatement notice because you are having you mm-hmm. know illegal dumping going on on your property because we have no other choice but to first reach out to the property owner Mm-hmm. And 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 you know some of them are quite surprised when they you know because they, you know they have several properties um, have visited this particular one in a while, and you know until we visit them and then they go oh wow well, I didn't notice and thank you for bringing my attention then they have to pay out of their own pockets now to clean mm-hmm. up the property with a, 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 a situation that they did not create themselves. Right and and so um, all I'm appealing to and asking members of the public to respect other people's property.
2: Mm-hmm. You know
7: why 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 go out of your way mm-hmm. to place a vehicle on somebody else's property to strip it or whatever and and you didn't get no 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 authorizations whatsoever from them to do mm-hmm. that. Right, uh, it's disrespectful and 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 you know we can't allow people to continue to do that. Right mm-hmm. and and um, you know and I also say this that you know any owner that find himself in, in a position where they feel helpless, you know, just reach out to us and we will find some way to provide some assistance mm-hmm. um, in, in, in getting them, their, their properties cleaned up for them. Um, you know, so it's not all about, yes, we we, we will take um, prosecutorial actions if needed, mm-hmm. but then we are also willing to work with, with, with owners to ensure that, you know, we, we provide mm-hmm. a clean space for everyone to enjoy around us.
3: All right, so um, let me see here. We have a question here. This person says, question for DEH. My neighborhood is full of yards with abandoned furniture, vehicles, et cetera, a real nasty and untidy mess, devaluing the neighborhood. What can be done about it Or as these are private yards?
7: Again, this is the same thing, you know, you just you send us, a, um, you can email us at deh.gov.ky, report those incidents to us. Um, I'll, I'll get an environmental officer to go out and investigate these things. And if and if necessary, this is where uh, we will serve abatement notices on these um, property owners to clear up the property. All
3: right. So you can reach out to uh, DEH folks. And you know what, if DEH doesn't know about the problem, then I guess, you know, there's probably little that they can do. Um, Richard Parsons says, is there a way for the property owner to take possession of the vehicles dumped onto their property? Well, normally they're trash and nobody wants them. So I don't know if you want to take possession of trash, but I mean, once it's abandoned on your property, then I mean, legally you have an argument there after it's been abandoned, probably for a certain amount of time. That might be in another piece of legislation, but I think it was Charles that was asking why would the property owner have to pay if we've already paid all paid this fee um, when we register a vehicle yeah, why yeah. does the property owner have to pay another fee for you guys to come and collect it
7: and that that's you know again just so, just to be clear right that, so that people understand that fee that they're paying for is mm-hmm. the processing fee for that vehicle when it comes to the landfill that's what that in, because you bring it but into you the use island the right fee that you, we you've used it uh, the the fee that you pay at registration is yes. to to use the vehicle on the roads, right? You pay license and inspection fees that that for allows you to No, you, you said that we pay it. We pay a,
3: We pay a fee that's related to DEH. What is that fee for?
7: At vehicle licensing.
3: Disposal. Didn't you say we pay a disposal fee or something?
7: No. You you, dis, you yeah. When you first when the, every vehicle that's first um, enter the country, right? When you go to yeah. customs, you pay uh, the duty. Mm-hmm. And you pay what you call an environmental uh, fee, right? Okay. That fee, I think that's what a lot of people is confusing. That fee to okay. include the transportation of that vehicle to the okay. landfill. It does not include that the fee to transport your vehicle from your residence to the landfill. What that that fee that you're paying for mm-hmm. is for when the vehicle has reached the end of its useful life. We have to process it at the landfill because the vehicle coming in; oh, no. it has to go out so that's what you're paying for we have to bail it um you, you strip it of all its um, you know the batteries and fluids mm-hmm. and all these different things and and bail it and then mm. ship it off either, right that's what you're paying for that's what okay. that fee covers it doesn't co- cover you calling us and say hey i'm ready f- for you to take this to the landfill so all you, that's 75 dollars that you're, okay. you're you're paying for Right. Is for us to come to your residence, transport but well, you can do it yourself you, you you know you you can actually when the vehicle when you have terminated that vehicle license mm-hmm. you can take it to the landfill yourself you don't have to call us you can find whatever means you you have whether it's be by towing it calling mm-hmm. a tow truck or if, the, if none of that is available and you want to call us then we you pay us 75 dollars we come come forward for you but you can do it yourself and save that 75 dollars
4: mm-hmm.
3: all right um someone is asking about the public's private Public private injunctions. What is what is that all about?
7: Public private injunction.
4: I'm not.
3: Um, yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll get we'll get some clarification on that. But you know, one of the other things I think that is worth um, mentioning here as well, Mr. Sims, is when your resources at DEH are diverted to you know, having to pick up all these, you know, you just said you're getting a a truck that's specific for that reason. Now, I don't know how much that truck costs, but I'm sure it's a pretty penny. Um, You know, these, these are things that impact your budget as a department. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. you're, you're having to order more equipment, more staffing, and you're, you're less able to, perhaps, you can answer this question for me, focus on things like the collection of the regular routine garbage. If you're constantly having to divert, resources out there to, um, you know, all of these littering jobs and picking stuff up. And wouldn't it be a wonderful world, even from your perspective in your department, if you didn't have to to focus so much energy and resources on this problem as well?
7: Well, um, you know, I'm I- yeah it's it's a lot to juggle but at the same time i do have um separate people for for, for separate functions um mm-hmm. the, you know we have the environmental health section um, and officers who deal with um, these sort of um, derelicts and, and 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 abatement notices and investigations then you have the collection crew um who go out there and collect these you know derelict vehicles and stuff like that and and your household garbage a different set of people and uh, unfortunately i've just been blessed with a few a, a few more people um you know that i had on board so to assist with with, with all of this so uh, i'm not doing too bad at the moment but um we're busy yes and you know as as i mentioned earlier i just got some new trucks coming in there's another one just arrived um last night so we have equipment coming in um to keep up with all the collection but what we want to to ensure order is that people understand what this litter campaign is all about is that we want everyone to take responsibility for their own litter um and sometimes you know we you, you and i say this time and time again just to, just to mm-hmm. give an, an example of the challenges that we have to, that we are faced with right when it comes to roadside and litter litter collection um if you look at what the the, the N R A stats, the the, the the, I'm just going to draw reference to mm-hmm. the Linford Pearson Highway, for example, right? Um, you all you come down, people say, oh, it's so literary and literally everywhere. What could, when you think about what the stats from the N R A, the are thirty thousand, thirty thousand. Think about this for a second: thirty thousand vehicles that traverse that highway every single day, thirty thousand. And if we have one percent. Of the the, the 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 vehicles that pass that road, one um, percent, which is three hundred people, mm-hmm. tossing out something out of their cars, whether it's a can there or mm-hmm. a piece of tissue here and there, right? That's three hundred vehicles doing that every single day. You can imagine the challenge I have with going behind those people and cleaning up mm-hmm. after them, mm-hmm. right? So you know, it, and it looks terrible because you know we would pass there this morning, clean it up and we'll go by there tomorrow again and it's as if we never did anything right so mm-hmm. those are the habits that we want people to change you know listen discipline yourselves if you know you just bought something from a fast food restaurant whatever that may be wait till you get home before you you, you dispose of your waste Mm-hmm. right or wait till you get to your your your, your, your workplace or whatever destination you go to and, and dispose of your waste don't just chuck it out the window and say and because the next thing what's going to happen behind that you're going to hear the public say well DH is not picking up the garbage well we need to stop people from throwing it out in the first place because mm-hmm. we're not mm-hmm. the ones throwing out the garbage out there every day but we're, 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 we have the mandate to go and pick it up but mm-hmm. you know um, so those are the kind of habits we want people to make sure that they, they change
8: mm-hmm. and,
7: um, you know, just, just kind of respect the space, respect the island and um, and remember the tourism product. It's, a, it's part of our tourism product, right? So cleanliness is what we market and we want to make sure that when people actually come here, mm-hmm. they see a clean and, and beautiful island and, 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 you know, first impression and, and, you know, throughout until when they leave.
3: All right, so a question from Ms. Brenda. She says, is there anywhere on island that containers for plastics can be purchased? Please advise. Is she, do you mean, um, Ms. Brenda, recycling containers? What kind of containers for plastic? I'm not sure. Maybe some clarification on that. I mean, and I'm, I'm sure some, most that,
7: of these hardware stores.
4: Mm-hmm.
7: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you can get, um, you know, different... Types of um, receptacles at these hardware stores that on mm-hmm. island. So, you know, if she look, because there are people who are looking. Because, for like for me, I know in my household I have um, recycled um, bins in the house. You know that I use um, uh, different plastic containers that you know they store different stuff. We have cans and plastic and and bottles and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm assuming that's what she's she's alluding to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
3: All right, and she's asking if any of your trucks are equipped for plastic.
7: Yeah, we, but well, remember we, we we do operate um, recycling depots, so mm-hmm. we, we we collect plastics, um, uh, and and cardboard's, uh, and and um, metals at the moment. So we are, we're equipped to, to to transport those things from the depots. Mm-hmm. But you know, I also want to take the opportunity to encourage people to also use the depots because in every in every district, there are depots mm-hmm. um, that um, they can they can take their recyclables to. Can you um, remind us of where
3: to. where those are?
7: Well, um, and we have Bordentown Town um, by the, the police station, um, and then we have Foster's at the countryside. We have an East End right by the playing field. We have north side uh, by the, C- the civic center in north side um, we also have in in georgetown we have bar cam uh, fosters food fair um, kirk's on eastern avenue mm-hmm. and uh, kimana bay and we also have one in west bay um, by the the Playfield. Uh, In West Bay, so there, you know, there's enough where people can actually take their recyclables to um, in one of these Mm -hmm. locations. I encourage people to do that because we want to let people understand that we are big on recycling, we are doing recycling, and Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that they play their part as well to to participate in this venture with us. Mm
3: -hmm. So. Mowbray DeCosta says no fines given to cars at litter, no police on the road. So this is now where the community, I think uh, Mr. Mowbray needs to come together because the police can't be all places at all times. The EH can't be all places at all times, but you know, we all see things, whether it's somebody throwing a cigarette lighter, uh, cigarette lighter, cigarette out the window. I mean, recently I witnessed someone throw some plastic, I think it was a plastic bottle out of the window, right in the Savannah area, right in front of me. And I have a dash cam on my car I pulled the dash cam details and sent it to the police. And that's what you got to do. Everybody should start driving around with dash cams. And when you see it, you say something. I mean, the other day I was shocked to see someone, but unfortunately the back camera couldn't really grab um, the footage in the right way. But this person was driving behind me and I could see them with an open bottle of liquor in five o'clock traffic drinking. And we wonder why we have so many accidents on the the highway. But folks, you know, as good citizens of this country, there are going to be times when we see something and it's our responsibility to um, to speak up. If you've got derelict, you know, lots in your community and someone who won't, you know, keep their house, uh, their yard or their property tidy, contact DEH, have them issue that abatement order because I'm telling you from personal experience, they will do it and the place will get cleaned up. And, you know, you just have to be vigilant and stay on top of it Um, because it's easy to sit back and do nothing. I know that it requires some degree of work to actually be the change that you'd like to see within your own community. Um, Ms. Brenda says, can you teach your garbage collectors to treat her bins and receptacles with care and respect? That's the least that they can do, not destroying them
7: yes uh, you know i've been constantly talking to the team about um, these kind of complaints and and we are getting better um you know we, we've seen where people used to complain how we used to throw down their garbage bin and, and they blow in the roads now we've, we've actually got the teams actually placing them back in the receptacles when where, mm-hmm. where they are receptacle um, yes. so you know we, we, we're improving um so hopefully we, we should see some changes um in that
4: yes
3: all right so we're going to wrap up here. Mr. Simms did say that he does have to go. So just one or a few more comments. This person says um, they sent some pictures earlier of an area that I think it's. They said it's the east side of Smith Road Prep School parking lot. This has to stop. There are actually people there um, who are. Um, I'll show you the picture who are dumping at that location. I can also pin you the location so that you can see exactly where it is, uh, Mr. Sims. But they said simple solution. An impound lot, cars are towed by government or private contractor and you have to pay to get it back. Is that something that is being recommended or is on the books in any way?
7: Well, the the only law that I know of that has this any sort of impound is under the traffic law where the commissioner police can impound vehicles for certain things. Um, But in relation to, to, for us, once, this, unfortunately, for, for when did the DH come to collect a vehicle, I can tell it mm-hmm. where it's going. It's going straight to the landfill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, it's, more, more. it's
3: more money to maintain an impound lot and to go through all that additional paperwork. Um, Just get straight to the point. K- keep your vehicles in order. Keep them on your private property. And if you don't, we're going to dispose of them and you're not going to get your vehicle back. And that's the end of that.
7: Yeah. Well, that's how the DH operate once we get involved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because the thing is, when you think about an impound lot in you know, we could be, it's easy to say, yes, let's create an impound lot. Mm-hmm. But then you got to look at, okay, so what are the reper- repercussions of that? We are now mm-hmm. going to be, um, having these derelict vehicles, harboring roaches and rats and everything else mm-hmm. in, in one, and another location. area that you, that gives you, Cause a concern to complain about, and yeah, say, true. "Oh, well, you know, it's overinfested mm-hmm. and all this sort of thing." So we have to be mindful about what, you know the things that we say we want, but then you have to look at the the the, the consequences of, of that. Yeah.
3: So Ms. Marva says, "Good yeah. morning, all. The government can make changes uh, by simply revising laws. Laws can solve many of these issues. Revise laws start writing mm-hmm. tickets uh, in the legal owner's name and finding them. If it is a foreign national that's on a work permit, tickets." as such could jeopardize their work permit renewal. Um, If their Caymanian unpaid fines will start incurring penalties that could be, and not limited to a warrant for your arrest until we start holding persons responsible for their actions or lack thereof, then they will. And unfortunately, Miss Marva, he ran out of space in that one. Um, But I mean, we get, we get the idea uh, in terms of enforcement. So uh, Anita says it would be helpful if DEH did a litter pickup before cutting the veggies um, they simply cut. They simply cut litter products into multiple pieces, making the situation ten times worse. So this is when you guys, I guess, are. But is that DEH that does that, that cleans up the side of the road, or is that? Um, no,
7: that, that's the, the the NRA, the NRA that's that is responsible for that. Yeah, I was just thinking yeah. that's not. DEH but I think there. you know what, some of the things. Um, and that's 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 a valid point, you know, because sometimes I think uh, we need to coordinate a little better with the, with our partners NRA anyway, um, to see when they're actually going to do those cuts and then maybe we can do an advanced collection in, mm-hmm. in, in streets where they're gonna cut you know so you know that's something that we can certainly work on for sure um because I I, I I do see the point um you know it's once it's all minced up sometimes it makes it a little worse than mm-hmm. what it is but yeah but, but certainly um, that is something that we can we can work on because it's that's easy you know we can say look just tell us where you're going to cut next and then we'll send our team yes. ahead of in advance of that so that can happen
3: Chelsea, anyway sandy i'm gonna jump yeah, real, off. real quick Miss Chastine is asking, do you have to pay for the bins from DEH? I don't know if she means the new ones that you guys are doing down in Prospect. Because um, those you're providing, there's no cost to the community for those. No direct cost, I should say. Oh
7: yeah. Oh uh, well, well, it's a good note to end on this this part because you know, mm-hmm. I'm really excited about the um, the wheel bin project that we've just launched in the Prospect area. Um, you know, yesterday we had our first pickup and and we've had nothing but positive feedback surrounding that. Um, you know, the residents are happy, the team is happy because it, it makes their work much um, easier. Um, in terms of the collection they didn't have to lift a lot of bins like they were doing before um, mm-hmm. so reduce any and sort of impact for injuries and so on mm-hmm. um, but yeah but those the, that the, those bins were provided to the, the residents free of cost to them um, you know because it's a part of our pilot program this is it's a study that we're conducting so um, we just wanted to make sure that um, you know people who participated it you know they didn't have to feel a pinch uh, of, of trying to participate so we supplied the, the, those bins um, free of cost to them
3: Mm-hmm. All right, folks. Thank you very, very much. Uh, thank you, Mr. Sims. Thank you, Ms. Um, Teresa, this morning. Unfortunately, um, uh, Parliamentary Secretary Miss Heather Bodden uh, could not come on the program today, but she is part of the committee with um, Ms. Uh, Teresa uh, Pitkrin, and um, they're working hard to hopefully make some meaningful change. So I appreciate it very much. Uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Sims, always willing to come on the program, yeah, yeah. and uh, we appreciate that, and we'll continue to do our part. Mm-hmm.
7: Yes, thank you. And, and and thank you for having me. It was a pleasure Oh, and by to be the way, one final thing. I just
3: wanted to very, sh- shout out to my- What? Wait, wait, Before you say it, before you say it, we got an important notice here this morning. This person says, please give a shout out to Richard Sims on his 27th wedding anniversary today. So, uh, big shout out to you and your <laughs> wife celebrating 27 years.
7: Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. Thank you. I <laughs> see, you I'm, I'm sorry, okay, on okay, uh, <laughs> Came on Mall Road. Yeah, I just want to also shout out a big shout out to my, my staff, right? And um, you know, the the hard working men and women at the Department of Environmental Health who are um, you know, out there early mornings um while we sleep, um, taking care of our waste. So um, big kudos to them as well for for all mm-hmm. the hard work that they're doing.
3: Yes. Yeah, now, now the pressure's on for Mr. Yeah. Richard to do something special for the anniversary. Now he's like, oh man, everybody knows.
7: <laughs> yes, and happy, happy anniversary to my wife, yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Thank you so much. Been
7: All, right. Uh, yes. All right, my dear. Thank you, God bless, take care.
1: I am Heather Bodden, MP for Savannah and a lifelong advocate for the environment. Illegal dumping is a crime, so please take civic pride in our home and put litter where it belongs. If you see someone littering, report it to the department. Department of Environmental Health on nine four nine
3: six six nine six. Be a part of the solution, not the pollution. Littering is a crime punishable by a $500 fine or six months in prison. Brought to you by the Beautification Task Force and Ministry of Tourism and Ports.
5: Pasko sa panahon ng tag-init? Oo, eto na naman ang ah, panahon ng Balikbayan Box. Kumuha ng inyong mga kahon sa lagang 75 bucks at punuin ito ng lahat ng iyong mga kalakal na papunta sa Pilipinas. Napakadali na! Kumuha ng inyong kahon, punuin ang inyong kahon at ibalik sa MBI. Amiracle Brokers ang bahala sa iba. Ang mga kahon ay darating sa tamang panahon para sa Pasko. Huwag mag magmadali. Ang huling araw ay sa September 30. Tumawag sa 949-5989 or 814-244 para sa karagdagang impormasyon.
3: all right folks welcome back everybody said boy you put mr richard on the spot his wife ingrid gonna have to get one nice little present tonight uh 27 years there you go Uh, big big numbers there folks double once you start getting into the double digits uh congratulations to you and happy anniversary to miss ingrid Hopefully you guys um, have a nice dinner or something planned. Or, hey, maybe you're just going to stay home and kick up your feet and relax a little bit. Who knows? Um, but, yes, uh, 27 years, that's a lifetime, honey, Jill. Good luck to you. And, and congratulations. Happy anniversary. All right. So um, we have a couple recorded segments, including a on Voices segment today that we're definitely going to um, be playing. And so I want to talk about something. Um, so, uh, very few people. And when I say very few, I mean just a few people have been messaging me and they've gotten me to start thinking um, really about um, something that was discussed on the program earlier in the week regarding the progressives. And so if you are part of our um, WhatsApp group list, you'll see the question mark this morning for today's title. It says, um, is there sex trafficking happening in the PPM and it's a bit tongue-in-cheek, but it's also a very, very serious question because let me tell you, my brain been overthinking this and I want you all to listen to the logic behind this, right? So some of you felt that I may have been unfairly calling out a particular female MP for her relations with at least four or five members of the progressives um, over the years. And so I want to clarify this because as a woman, I'm very cognizant and very aware. And this is why I even made, a, made the point the other day, the way in which people speak sometimes to women and the expectations that people have of women and the way that people treat women is very, very different than their male counterparts. So, you know, a man can go out there and have a million women. He's sleeping with 10 different women at the same time. Nobody thinks anything about it. Y'all think he's macho. You think that's a great thing. That's wonderful. You know, blah, blah, blah. Um, If a woman does that, we have a very different word for her and it's not a nice word. We call her all sorts of derogatory words and so on. So I think that there, there's fairness in the commentary that you know women are definitely judged by a very different standard. And that is unfortunate. That is the world in which we live all over the world. I can't think of a single culture or society where women are not held to a different standard than men. And it is it is an unfair standard. Because men have the ability to go out there and do whatever it is that they feel like doing, and they're just not held to account in the same way. And I think that that's unfortunate. And I don't want people to mistake the comments that were made and why they were being made and perhaps even how they were being made. Because listen. We're talking about culture. It's so interesting this week that we've been talking a lot about culture. What is Cayman culture? This, that, and the other thing, right? We have to accept that part of our culture has been that Caymanians will get up every Sunday and go to church and are still gambling, which is breaking the law. If you believe in the Bible, that goes against the Bible. We're still drinking. We're still fornicating. We're still having adulterous relationships. And that has also been very much a part of our culture. We can't accept culture and only look at the good parts that we want to look at and ignore the bad parts of our culture. Because at some point, those parts of our culture come to bear on our community. That's why we have teenage girls um, having you know sex before they're anywhere near being ready, because our culture has also included force-riping children. Our culture has also included a culture of molestation of young girls and boys throughout their childhood. That is also a part of our culture, right? We talk about, okay, man has a man shortage. And that is, that explains why one woman has to accept that her husband throughout the course of their relationship is going to have three, four, five women on the side. Is that really, I mean, that that's our, that's our culture. I'm telling you, that's our culture. But are we saying that that's really acceptable? Good morning, caller.
5: Hello. Good morning, Miss sandra Morning, morning sir. How are you? Yeah, this is Ramon. I'm 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 not too good. How are you?
3: I'm okay, sir. You wanted to comment on on this topic?
5: Oh, not really. Um, I, there was an issue that um I laid out to you um from last week about and um, about the permit. And, oh uh, probably tomorrow
3: I'll... during the consumer section that might be the best time to call so this time tomorrow morning
5: okay all right Thank
3: you. okay all right dear thanks I thought he was gonna give us some thoughts on what he thought about this aspect of our culture um because it is very much alive in here right so let me let me just for the sake of clarity to make it very very clear and and I had not really, gone this deep into the discussion. But take take this on board for just a second. We have leaders of this country who should be setting an example of what we hope to esteem to. And that should include, because they use it to their advantage when it's politically expedient to do so, they use their, oh, I'm gonna go to church, I'm gonna placate the churches, I'm gonna try to get people in the church to vote for me because I'm a family man, I'm all about family values. We've even seen people ahead of an election rush and go get married, right? No intentions to marry, but just because they're running for public office, rush and go get married. They already had children out of wedlock. They already had, they're already out there fornicating left, right, and center, didn't care. But now that they're gonna run for public office, oh, I'm gonna go get married. I'm gonna um, you know, try to prove to people that I have a certain moral compass. And also I'm gonna jump and start going to church. Right. And then we also accept that those people out there doing the worst and doing the most misbehaving. So as I was listening to some voice notes this morning, I started to think more about this specific situation with the progressives and saying that it's sex trafficking might be going a bit too far. But think about the implications. Think about this for a second that you are a woman of a particular age amongst a group of all men. You're the only woman in this group. And they all put you under pressure. Ultimately, a woman has the right to say no. But we don't know the pressure that is being bared or put to bear on this woman from the premier, former premiers of this country, leaders of this country. You know how how that must feel? And the other aspect of it that we've not really considered is she as an employee of people in that party. She falls under their control. So it's not really a laughing matter. And I don't want to sit here and call her any disparaging names and put all the blame on her. I think at some point every woman has got to say enough is enough. But I think we should also be cognizant of the fact that if you were in a workplace and you had all male bosses and the culture of that workplace was that they felt like they could sexually harass you, that they could use you, and you felt the pressure to just give in. Well, that's not a good position, and that's not fair either, right? If this was any other organization, she would have a lawsuit for sexual harassment. So let's, let's think about it from the perspective that maybe she is a victim and not the villain. I'm not trying to villainize her. But have we thought about this? It's the same situation. Where people say, oh, well, you know, why somebody can bring up a, um, a, a lawsuit of, you know, tw- uh, from 20 something years ago? It's because 27 years ago, that person had a lot of power and the victim felt powerless to speak up and to do anything. So if it took them 20 years or 21 years to finally find their voice, I'm, who am I to question that? Who are you to question that? I don't know. And you have to also remember the context. Things were a lot different, a lot worse 20-something years ago when it came to women's rights and women's ability, even for sexual harassment, rape, sexual assault, all of these things, to feel like they could actually speak up on these issues. You know what would be the proper thing to do? And I'm going to take it a step further and demonstrate to you why this is a problem. Don't focus on the details of how many people she slept with in the party. Focus on this. Why does the party not have a policy in their constitution, both in writing and in practice, to protect women of the party? No one should be fraternizing at that level in the party. I get it, former Premier. You can't keep it in your pants. I understand it from a logical perspective. Go outside of the party. It should never be allowed. It should be against the rules. Your party should stand for more than that. And the fact that it doesn't says more about you all as leaders of this community than most people are willing to admit. Now, think about it in the broader context of how these men obviously think, right? to engage in this kind of behavior and see nothing wrong with it at all. That is why they never speak up about sexual assault in this community. That is why we can't get a sex offenders registry because of the caliber of people they are. And then the behavior that they themselves engage in. Hmm? Listen, listen carefully now. That is why they have never, move the needle on sexual harassment legislation. It is only finally now under this government, and only because really it's the premier who's pushing it, that we can finally have a glimmer of hope that before they get out, they're going to pass sexual harassment legislation. The year is 2023, folks. Most places around the world have had sexual harassment legislation for a very long time. We are behind the A-ball by a lot. Huh? I think even Jamaica from 2021 has passed the Sexual Harassment Protection and Prevention Act. Where are we? 2023, still talking about it. 2023, still talking about, oh, <clears throat> we're going to have some legislation, uh, some consultation on it. How much consultation do you really need? Everybody else has done it already, practically, except the most backward places in the world. So at least you could look to what they have done. Now they've got a track record of what it, has it worked, has it hasn't worked. You know, we've got the bene- benefit of being able to dissect the effectiveness or not of all of these things in their environment. But you see, our leaders don't care. They have demonstrated their lack of concern for protecting women. And this is but one example of how they have used and abused a particular individual. Hmm. I didn't really think about it this far in my head until someone brought me the conversation and said, well, you know, Sandy, um, we're, we're making her feel bad. We're making her feel a particular way. And I said, "Hmm, I, I don't want people to misunderstand what I was saying. And the purpose of me bringing it up in the first place is not to just talk about somebody's personal sus because there's more than that going around in the community. It was to say that she was actually being controlled and used by them in this way, which allows them to exert additional control over her politically. And that's important to recognize. Don't discard that. So that was the initial point that I was trying to make, but as I thought about it more and I mulled it over more, you know, these additional considerations came into my head. They should be ashamed of themselves to be quite frank and honest, right? They jumped on the, the you know the whole thing with McKeever Bush multiple times happened during their partnership with him from the casino incident in um, Seminole, Florida, and Miami, Florida. They said nothing about it. They did nothing. They refused to do anything. When he was when he assaulted a woman, they refused to do anything. Why? Because like he said, and he has called them out before. He said, don't have him open his mouth on the track record of m- other members of the L.A. because he knows a lot of them have done similar things. They just weren't arrested and there wasn't a video of it. But a lot of them are wife beaters. They abuse their wives. A lot of them talking to underage girls. That's why they don't want that sex offender registry because they'd probably be on it. You understand? So we need to clean up or act in more ways than one. And it is is—it is unfair. I agree with this aspect of it. It's unfair to seemingly put the burden on the woman to be the one who's going to say no all the time after all this undue pressure. Her very job might depend on her saying yes or no. If she refuses, and somebody said, don't forget the underage boys too. Yes, yes, and we know which MPs involved in that. But her very job might be on the line if she refuses to have relations with these people. Do they not see that? Do they not see from her perspective how they are victimizing her? You know, we have assumed she might be a willing participant, but how willing are you when you have this, this is this is why sexual harassment legislation is so important. How willing are you when you have people in power over you, trying to force their way on you, their sexual desires. It's not always easy to say no to those individuals. Uh, are they gonna not allow me to run again with the party? Are they gonna remove me? You know, that's that's her job, that's her livelihood. Hmm. It's a very, very unfortunate um, situation to be quite frank and honest. Really, really unfortunate. Ms. Brenda says, I smell some lawsuits coming down the drain here, peace out. I can assure you, we've talked about it before. And when you know what you're talking about and you know what's truth from what isn't, you can't sue somebody for the truth. We all have our opinions, but the truth is also the truth. Right. No one is speaking things that are not factual. Hmm. If if we could only really, really, really speak the truth in this country, I feel like we could move the needle a lot further than it has been a lot of these social ills. We check out when the truth is being spoken. Oh, no, no, no. We can't call them wife beaters. Yeah, okay. because you beat your wife. What else would you like us to call you? Right. When your own brother in laws and family members go around talking about how they wanted to find you to wring your neck after you assaulted their own sister. But yet we can talk about, oh, well, somebody gets sued if they talk about it. That's the man problem right there. And that's the man culture. And that's what keeps us exactly where we are. We're only going to ever advance so much, folks, because we are more concerned about what people are, are you know, publicly thinking you're saying and who's going to get sued for telling the truth that's cayman culture y'all want to talk about cayman culture that's cayman culture and that's why children have no protection in this community why women have little to no protection in this community either uh garrett says Cayman politicians have always been the kick the can politicians they do it for everything including their own retirement Um, C says, did she say something or did someone uh, find out and drop the story? Um, listen, this has been happening a long time, C's. I'm surprised that, that you guys act like you don't know. This is nothing new. Everybody knows what's been happening for a very long time. And I wish to remind you all that I was a founding member of the progressive. So there are things that I would have seen and know of as part of firsthand knowledge. That's why I say you can't sue people for the truth and it is what it is. So it might be news to you, rough seas, Um, but it's not news to a lot of other people. So Ms. Brenda's asking for proof. You, you think the person's gonna deny it? You actually think there's gonna be a denial so that we have to provide proof? <laughs> Wow! Wow! As many people th- as know, I would su- I'm surprised that people are asking for proof. Really? Y'all want proof? <laughs> wow! That's interesting. Um, Cameron says, "Tell them to buck up and dry their tears. We done moonlighters. We don't need cowards either." Ms. Dawn says no one should be subjected to that kind of behavior and the fact that you know we talk about oh well we want proof. Yes I'm sure y'all are sitting back saying well this rape victim who's come forward we want proof too that she was raped. Well the court of law will have to deal with that it is a criminal case now but this is always the case when when people come forward and say that this is what they have been subjected to. Well you prove it you're the victim prove it prove that it's happened. Prove that you've been under undue pressure to be in relationships with these people. I can assure you, Miss Brenda, none of it was hidden. <laughs> Friends, family members, everybody knows. So it's not like it was a top secret. Maybe some of y'all just don't know, but hey, it is what it is. Rough seas, that says that's news to, to them. Well, wow. It's news to me that it's news to you, but okay. Um, let's move on. So Cameron says, um, are we going to call out one of Kenny's billboards? <laughs> I don't know what to say about it. But anyway, um, yeah, rough seas, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I think I still think you're mistaken. You're saying, oh, they're all adults. Adults can be subjected to undue pressure. Adults can be subjected to sexual harassment in the workplace. That's what why sexual harassment legislation is so important. Adults can be subjected to rape. Just because someone is an adult does not mean that they don't need any protections or that they are not themselves victims. Good morning, caller.
2: Good morning, Sandra. How are you? Um, I'm good. Um, I just I'm catching this thing about culture. Yes. Yes, I think you kind of got it mixed up because um, I, I don't think the choices of a few people dictate what a culture is, you know? It's bigger than that. No, it's bigger than that, Sandy. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But is it really culture a few is people? Tr- is it really a few people? No, no, no. Well, few compared to everybody. Else, um, but we import a lot of that um, kind of behavior also. But mm-hmm. what I want to say, I believe Kimon deserves better than that when it talks about culture. Our culture is turtling and seafaring mm-hmm. and stuff like that, you know? Being, um because by what you're saying, if that's our culture, is like Saddam and Gomorrah, you know?
3: Well, what Everywhere, I'm saying is, society, we need to be honest.
2: Society, yes, but we have things going on here that is under the rug. Mm-hmm. I can I can surely attest and agree with that. But um, that doesn't mean it's our culture. You, but
5: what,
3: what defines uh-huh. culture? What makes it? What? How do you define okay, something culture as culture?
2: culture is enshrined. In, okay, culture is from the beginning it's right in history. Is what built Cayman. I'm sure that um, sleeping around and, that didn't um, bill came you know, vagabond and stuff didn't bill came in. Um The seafarers and the people are turtling, um, that's roping, mm-hmm. um, our dance, our foods, that's yes. our culture. That's culture. Yeah, but
3: the bad things not, are part of your culture what,
2: too. Okay, yes, we have bad parts, but that's not culture. That, that's a bad part. Okay, it's like getting that, in, okay, our culture is in paper, right? It's all mm-hmm. written what our culture is supposed to be. Okay, mm-hmm. it's like you buy a TV and you get an instruction. And if you don't read the instruction properly, you're not gonna operate that TV in the way it's gonna be operated. Mm-hmm. It's just like the Bible. So the Bible's you're, you're So you're saying that
3: culture can only be good things?
2: No, 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 don't kiss my words. I'm not telling no, you. No, I'm asking. We have things, we have things in our um, way of life that is not right. Uh-huh. But a lot of stuff that you call culture, that is not culture.
3: Oh,
2: okay. You know what I'm saying? And if you ask anybody, and you know it in yourself, that's not culture.
3: No, I actually culture believe that that is our culture.
2: Fearing, <laughs> our seafaring, our seafaring, our turtling, mm-hmm. our way of life back then, that's our culture. That's what we celebrate at our Heritage Days, at our Pirates Week, at um different and, events and, and when speak, it comes And speaking,
3: speaking of Pirates Week, you say no, that well, that's our culture. No, I
2: Well, you just, no, you no, just
3: I, admitted that that's part of our yeah, culture, No, no, no,
2: I didn't admit it, but we... Have that enshrined in our culture that we use to make money. It's commercial. Okay, can I practice pirates in the Cayman Islands? Never going to happen unless I'm going to jail. Any part of, if you go in a dictionary look at what a pirate is, mm-hmm. you cannot practice that. But yet, for the last 40, umpteen years, we've been celebrating it. But it's called really Heritage Day.
3: Well, somebody right? said heritage and, is not the, culture. So this is very no, but
2: no, no, but um, at the Heritage Days, uh-huh. they don't practice piracy either, do they? Unless they would all be arrested. There's nobody raping, looting, and um, shooting at the Heritage Days. Uh-huh. It's just called Pirate Week. And they're trying to stay off of the seafaring times about Black Bear, the pirate, and all those kind of people. Uh-huh. Mark, um, Morgan and Derek Morgan and all those people. But we don't practice that here, Sandra. You, but you know better than that. We don't. They can't. Mm. There are laws against this. Mm. So when I say Pirates Week, is just mm-hmm. talking about a theme Heritage Day. Mm-hmm. I don't go to the Pirates because I'm not a pirate. Mm. I when I when I grew up and I learned what it's all about, I don't participate in that. I mm-hmm. didn't even buy food out there no more. I didn't need to change the name mm. because I can't celebrate. when I can't practice. It doesn't make sense. That's that's that call an oxymoron. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work. But I'm just calling to say what mm-hmm. you're saying about heritage. That's not what heritage. That's not my heritage. I don't. I don't think the Caymanian people appreciate that either. You know. But nobody's mm-hmm. calling it like it is. And this is the cold hard truth. So mm-hmm, I'm just saying it mm-hmm. as I as I see it.
1: Okay.
2: I'm a proud Caymanian, and I don't think that's what my heritage is. or that's my mm-hmm. generational heritage that we come from. No. Mm-hmm. All right. There are things here that's not right, but mm-hmm. that's not heritage.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: All I, right, I thank appreciate
3: you. it. Thanks very much. So, I mean, this thank is you. this is a very, very interesting um, question. What is culture um, and what is more specifically our culture? So um you know you don't have to celebrate any of those things but they, if they're part of here's one definition of culture culture is how a society lives culture includes education laws celebrations food religion habits and customs so i'm talking about our habitual behavior someone says heritage is not culture heritage is history culture is now another person says amen to that caller we not celebrating um Pirates Week. And yet a lot of Caymanians will tell you that Pirates Week is part of our culture. So what is what is culture? Here's another definition: art, drama, dance, attitudes, beliefs, language, customs, rituals, behavior. So when I'm talking about behavior and the customs that we have, faith, religion, food, that all encompasses culture. Hmm. Crime. That's part of the culture. Remember how we had some guests on um, not that long ago who were talking about in one of our Caribbean um, segments that um, the, the, the culture of the country changes and so does the crime and the culture changes when certain people become part of the community. So we were talking about Turks and Caicos and the Haitian communities and subculture that comes in it becomes part of the broader culture and it has an impact on everything, has an impact on the food. It has an impact on the crime rate, on the social morals, what's acceptable. I'm not saying that every single Caymanian who's out there is involved in extramarital affairs is, you know, fornicating and doing all this kind of stuff because religion and going to church and believing in God has been part of our culture as well. So social behaviors, but we also have to be honest. Some of our seafaring fathers who we say built this country and we respect them for that were some of the most unscrupulous men having children all over the place. And y'all don't know it until you go and get on 23andMe and Ancestry.com. All of a sudden you're filing finding siblings all over the world and you're trying to figure out, oh, but Papa never told me that he had no child all the way in New York or in Europe, he never told you, but that doesn't mean that that's not the reality of the situation. And I often think it's it's the pot calling the kettle black and very, very duplicitous when our elderly community now, because they all become Christians in their old age, forget what they were doing as youngsters and want to talk about, oh, this new generation, they're not no good. You know, the, the Lord, someone come and take all honor because y'all up to no good. But where do you think they got that from? For many, 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 many generations, we've had people that you could categorize at some point in their life that was no good. And some of y'all don't even know who your father is, because your father is actually your uncle at the same time. That that has been the reality of Cayman. So we can't dismiss it. How much of it we're willing to really talk about, I mean, it's up to y'all. But I'm saying that is also part of our culture
10: and heritage. Good morning, caller. Good morning interesting topic yes ma'am. i really think they um, are the general heading safe heading mm-hmm. culture is behavioral pattern mm-hmm. so we can we can really um adapt or gravitate to good behavior mm-hmm. or bad behavior mm-hmm. my question is this thing about pirate celebration it amazes mm-hmm. me that countries for instance even jamaica and other countries that really had experiences with, with pirates mm-hmm. they do not Exonerate them. Why do we choose? We didn't really have a outright down, um, you know. Like like they say, Port Royal was judged because of, of piracy. It was known mm-hmm. as the wickedest city or part mm-hmm. in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. They do not exonerate this thing because there's nothing good that is connected to piracy.
4: Mm-hmm.
10: And I say, you know, I think it was Michael Bush, if I'm not mistaken. Had um expressed to change the the, the the piracy put a different name to it. Mm-hmm. So that's just my question. Why do we exonerate what it You know what, what it I think
3: I think what it is and I mean uh-huh. obviously people who've worked with Pirates Week and who've done this on a long for a long time can tell me. but we started out this this idea of pirates and I think again, we are um, placating to visitors who come here. And they like the idea of, oh, pirates come in. It's like Gasparilla. And we have the same thing in Tampa. It's like a Gasparilla celebration. They come oh. in and they they take the the coming off the water and, you know, the, the um, booms and whatever with their swords. And so it's a production. It's a whole uh, romanticizing of piracy. And if we understand what piracy is, it's like us trying to romanticize slavery. Nobody in their right mind would actually do that. But we have done that and we have unfortunately built a tourist attraction product out of that for some 40 odd years. So now because the money is there and Pirates Week is this big festival that people look forward to every year, like, oh yes, we're bringing in you know, um, international pirates, professional pirates, people who dress the part. I think that unfortunately it is difficult to undo an event like that. Now, it's not impossible. People have become much more aware, right, of the implications of the things that we choose to celebrate. So maybe we need to have a national awakening where we say we are going to move away from this. We're not going to support this idea of piracy anymore. Right. But I, I, think, yeah, I, think, I think it's going to be difficult to make the argument from all of the people who have a vested interest in it, from the Department of Tourism, the Ministry, the Ministry of Culture, because they're the ones who it now falls under, the Ministry of Culture and Sports and whatever, they see it, unfortunately, as a cultural event.
10: Yeah, and you know, sometimes we don't don't look into the um, the other ramifications that are attached to certain things. Mm -hmm. You know, like you hand the key of the city, to the chief parrot. A key represents the, 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 the dominion of a city, a country. You understand me? Mm-hmm. And we don't realize it's like you 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 don't see germs with your naked eyes, but you mm-hmm. see the effect of it. Mm. You know, it's like you you are you are invoking the things that would be attached to this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody sees when COVID walks through the door in the house, but mm-hmm. you see the effect of it.
4: Yes. Very true
10: so it's just looking at things we like I said we we have to be mindful of things that do mm. affect us yes. affect us I mean know? we
3: could we could change it to whole Heritage week instead of Pirates week yeah um you know there, there are things that we could do but no one no one's motivated to do it I mean yeah
10: and I mean really when you think of yeah. it you import people to come down and they they're growling or roaring like lions and what for what mm-hmm. you know And there's nothing good connected to piracy. Absolutely nothing. You can find some other way, another beneficial way of culture, then. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Caller. I appreciate it.
3: Thank you. So, Shaka Zulu says the name Pirates Week only acknowledges times of past, not necessarily becoming a pirate. But you would still have people, Shaka Zulu, that are going to argue, as the caller did, why are we celebrating? that part of her history as though it is something to be proud of. If we did have a whole lot of piracy here, which there's no real indications that we did because there were no inhabitants (laughs) in Cayman, you know, the pirates might stop for a little bit, but but they didn't find the conditions here all that amazing that they wanted to stay at the time. Um, Damien says culture is also to do with survival. YouTuber says we hate to admit the dark part of our truth and goes on to say seafarers and sexual deviance became because he was the breadwinner and women couldn't say no they created a culture that we now have to pay for mental health on the rise for trauma of generations ago cameron says i don't celebrate pirates because i'm not a pirate uh, same way i don't i feel about gimme story and duppy mm. Aliano says, culture, uh, traditional activities passed down through time. The culture we see today is a byproduct of flawed economic struggles and constant corruption and strain on our mental institutions. Uh, Marshall says, caller back then, life wasn't good either. A lot of bad things went on back in the day. Um, that caller's a joker. I think speaking about the male call not the female caller, but everybody has an opinion. Culture is social behavior because you don't like what history has dictated doesn't change the facts. Mm-hmm. And that's my thing. I mean, I'm not saying that it's right and we're celebrating it anyway, but we have to at least acknowledge it because it is the truth. Uh, Miss Sonia says, blessed day, Sandy, may God continue to give you the strength and wisdom to keep this show going well needed. Aliano says, call it out hypocrisy in its name. Denver says, just a few days ago, a friend told me that he had brothers and sisters in the UK, and I never knew that. They probably never knew that either. (laughs) Thank God for DNA and paternity tests. And it's, listen, no Caymanian family. I don't care how wealthy, how Caymanian whitewashed or whatever. No Caymanian family pretty much was spared from the culture of men feeling like they could have multiple women and engage in whatever activities they wanted to, both inside and outside of their homes. You go down the lines, every famous name on this island. Oh, that person had to go to the funeral home and pluck out a hair and do a DNA test because when the old man finally died, they wanted a piece of their inheritance. Not that long ago, the law in this country was, it was changed to include acknowledging le- illegitimate children. Because the norm and the culture of it was you had all these illegitimate children, and when you finally decided to settle down or your, your wife, whatever, only your wife and the proper children were even entitled to your inheritance. In modern days, we had to change that legislation to acknowledge that K-Man has illegitimate children because there's so many of them out there. And so now I think the legal position is if the father acknowledged them in any way, shape, or form during their lifetime, they are entitled to part of his inheritance or whatever he's gonna leave behind, as their inheritance, I should say. Good morning, caller.
5: Yeah, morning, Sunday. Morning. Um you know, I wonder if people listen to. Listen to their elders and stuff like this, because, as far as I know, is that our our culture really is um remembered by the maritime heritage that we have
4: mm-hmm.
5: and and the abolition of slavery. Now, I don't understand why people still believe in the slavery part that we are still in it if we have abolished it. but um, I think that people are trapping themselves mm-hmm. in their own mind in their own mind, and I'm saying this because if we are a first world country, um, anybody that does not like Europe don't like Cayman. And and that's just off of my observation because the same way how people don't like Europe, they don't like America. A lot of people run away from America America to go to somewhere else to be on a more stress less level And Cayman is just not that place right now as we speak because we are still in slavery. A lot of us, a lot of us are still in slavery because the abolition of slavery has not been completed yet. You know, the 21st century, people are still stuck in the 20th. A lot of them are. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm saying. So, yeah.
3: All righty. Thanks very much. Um, Al says, culture is the good, the bad, and the ugly. I would embrace what inspires me. I never celebrate Pirates Week. Jackie says, culture will also change with generations, ideas, customs, social behavior, norms, values. We may be Christians, but not burning witches. Um, Darlene says, that must have just been about being a boost for our tourism, and that's exactly why Pirates Week came about. Sonia says, blessed date, Sandy. Oh, sorry. I think we read that one already. My apologies. Um, Uncle, daddy, what? Yes, came at detailing. That's the truth. Siobhan says, yep, hypocrites doing the, the biggest sin when they weren't saved. But as soon as they're saved, they forget all about what they did while in sin and point fingers with the holier than thou attitude when they not know better. Make me sick. Shame and scandal in the family, says Debbie. And every single family in Cayman pretty much had it. Barbara G says, "I finally got to hand it to you, Sandy. Have them face the facts."
4: Mm-mm-mm.
3: What a mess. Um, Shaka Zulu says, "Think of how Mexico celebrates Day of the Dead. It's simply part of the past and not necessarily promoting death." So people would, uh, Rufsi said, so would people that don't live in Mexico look at their culture as strange because in the Mexican culture at the same, at the age of 15, sorry, the girls are considered grown women and the whole family is there to celebrate it. I think it's 16, actually. It's, is it quinceanera or whatever they call it? Uh, So it's like 16. Uh, Would you consider their whole, uh, their whole something, entire culture sick? Mm, Selvin says, why are they targeting Barbara and Julie in a negative way? Well, nobody was talking about Julie, so I don't know. Um, in negative light, but Heather, Sabrina, and Wilkes are untouched. Well, Selvin, that's certainly not true. Not true at all. We have talked about Catherine Wilkes on more than one occasion on this program. Uh, we have held Sabrina to account. In fact, when Sabrina was held to account, when she got in, her episodes and her show have had some of the most views that this show, I mean, over 2,400 people that this platform has ever had. So she was more than held to account. Um, Miss Heather, I'm going to be honest with you. I've never really had much to say about Miss Heather because she kind of is one of those people that's just under radar. I mean, she doesn't really do much of anything that one would even consider scandalous. Now, I mean you know i think everybody knows that she's been in a relationship with a man that most of us would be like ugh but you know i think you're i think you're missing the point right no one is is, is it can is it's Queen, quinceanera so it is 15 thank you i thought it was 16 oh so it is 15 hmm. okay they won't even give you that little extra year um so yeah i mean it's not about people remaining untouched i think with the exception of heather everybody else has been talked about, and we try to focus on their jobs and what they have done. However, you will remember that when we were talking about the fact that no woman in the Legislative Assembly—not this current group, but previously, when Mister Bush was into his um, into that case, whatever—we called out every single woman in the Legislative Assembly, and I went through them by names. I can't remember who all was there now. Have we lost anybody? Um, and asked all of them, why were they, as women, not speaking about, out about abuse against women? So I don't think that anyone has really been spared. Now, you get highlighted more. L- let me put it this way. The points that we're talking about this past week about corruption and how these parties work and how these groupings work. right? The conversation that is relevant to that is how a woman who is part of this group is being used in different ways by those individuals. And some may even go as far as saying having this undue pressure exerted on her for the political expediency and will of the PPM show me which other woman that we know about and this comes down to the facts of a situation that that same example could be utilized the problem is i can't call them out about this if it's not happening with them it's pretty it's pretty straightforward right it's not it's not listen if have if had their boden, heaven forbid was known to be in any sort of relationship with people in her group, she would be called out in the very same way. Forget about who the person is and focus on the action, the behavior that is problematic. Miss Darlene Mackenzie having a laugh. I don't know what she's laughing about there. That was an earlier comment. Um. Uh, Amanda says, Alejandro, you lost me. Live says that we should have a seafarers festival. That's not a bad idea. Um, Aliana says, oh, you bet if the, what, Xenomorph got a big booty in a make it in, what, what on earth are you guys talking about? Okay. So it's 15 years old. So it's the quinceanera. What would, yeah. King is 15. Um, what a hot mess. Uh, I belongs to two of my mama and my, I belongs to my mama and my daddy says, Miss Darlene, uh, can, yeah. Okay. All right. So listen, you guys, um, uh, Blair says we can all be mindful. Yes. But some things don't have to change. If you have a problem, keep scrolling, as they say, fair enough, people are free to celebrate what they want. If pirates uh, bring you back to good childhood times, then you celebrate that with a little R and be happy. I mean, like I said, it's now an ingrained festival. So I think, you know, um, like it or not, it's been around for what, 40 something years. So there are a lot of people, as Blair says, that will have fond memories of it. They've spent their entire lives growing up, going to Pirates Week celebrations. You see the old time photos of that. And so it is something newer that has become part of our culture. Ah uh, says, Sandy, it's important that we differentiate between culture and heritage because culture is ever changing, and those that want to get rid of our heritage will use the story of ever-changing culture to get rid of the Caymanian heritage. This is a very good point. Thank you, Miss Margley. Um to erase our heritage is to get rid of what is truly Caymanian. I love that. I love that. Yes, point taken and accepted. Uh huh, and there is a difference, in fact, between your heritage and your culture. They're intertwined in a way, but yes. Um, Cameron says just because we don't hear it from Sandy doesn't mean that the bushes along the mall road don't speak. Uh, Sandy, good morning. Says, know what's sad? Report these disgusting supervisors and team leaders who use their positions to be pushing their private parts and touching women in the workplace, and the companies do nothing about it just to hold a contract. Instead, the women get treated like they are in the wrong. Once again, we need that sexual harassment legislation and we need it to have some real teeth and we need a cultural change. We're rubbing up against women and touching women in a sexual way in the workplace is not something that would ever be acceptable. You know, a couple years ago, the Compass, um, there's a lady there, She since left, she was i think the publisher at the compass miss um oh i can't remember her name now but anyway they did a whole series on sexual harassment and the the let me tell y'all what brought her to that point y'all are going to be shocked when i tell you this the reason why she did that is because an individual who was running for public office who did not get in so you do the math they decided that um, they were advertising for a talk show host to join Woody, I think, at the time. No, no, it wouldn't have been Woody because he was gone by the time the Compass took it over. But to join, I guess, um, um, oh gosh, what's her name again? Oh, Barry, right? So they were basically looking for a co-host. And so the person went in to be interviewed and... They actually did something that so offended the publisher at the Compass, she actually reported it to the police, okay? There was a conversation, I can tell y'all how the story go. There was a conversation, imagine going for a job interview. I want y'all to take this in for a second. This is again, part of her culture, because no person in the right mind should be doing this sort of thing, but you go in for a job interview, you sit down and you're talking to someone that you don't even know. First time you're meeting this person. And in the course of that conversation, you decide to start start talking about your man parts. And what you, how well endowed you are. This was not an uh, interview for an X-rated video shoot. This was an interview for a co-hosting position over at Rooster for their talk show. Why would this political candidate fathom and think that that was somehow an appropriate thing to do? This poor American woman who's used to having protections and law against sexual harassment and all this kind of stuff, my dear, she was so shocked and flabbergasted by that experience that she immediately went to the police, filed a police report because in her mind, this is something that had elevated to a criminal act. Unfortunately, the police didn't think so. They're like, oh, this would be sexual harassment, but oops, no sexual harassment protection on this country, on this little rock, so you're out of luck. And that is why, y'all remember, they did a whole series of stories on sexual harassment in Cayman, sexual harassment, um, you know, it's just, it's just astonishing. That was the reason for it. Unbelievable. Okay. So folks, we're gonna leave that there, but trust me, um, Al just made a good point there. He's saying that incest is also part of the Cayman culture. I mean, you mightn't like it, but the facts are the facts. All right. It's time for, speaking of culture, it is time for a K-Man Voices segment. You guys know I love these segments. I get to interview people from all walks of life. This particular one, 81-year-old Mr. Kenneth Hurlston, um, had I had the pleasure of sitting down with him and interviewing him recently. He was no holes bar. In fact, I had to edit this video a little bit more than I usually do because he said a lot and we don't do these segments to try to, you know, embarrass anyone or try to make anyone look a particular way. So I had, I edited out some of the more sensitive bits of his interview because um, you know, these people are still alive. So it, it is what it is, but he was so entertaining. So interesting. He does not, he doesn't have the energy of an 81 year old at all. I mean, I just found him to be, so amazing! So listen, we have 430 people on the live stream between YouTube and Facebook. I do not want to see a single one of you log on. You're listening on the radio. Y'all want to talk about? We don't have Cayman culture. These things are are the people who are involved in our heritage, right? Telling us about yesteryear, growing up in Cayman, how it was. Sometimes they say things. It's a little bit rough around the edges, but it is what it is. You have to love your where you have come from, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the indifferent. So sit back, get your apple cider vinegar, or whatever your beverage of choice is this morning. Get it ready and enjoy this amazing interview with Mr. Kenneth Hurlston, 81 years old, from the beautiful district of West Bay. KMN Voices was a dream that I had for several years now. It's about taking the power of storytelling to embrace our own collective history as a people. Through our individual stories, we're able to see the common thread that binds us together as one. One person's personal journey has become our collective culture, heritage, and history. This series will show people from all walks of life sitting down with me as the host and going through their life journey. Sometimes there are unknown elements of their lives, but ultimately we're gonna walk away having learned something new with every person that we sit down with. I guess I would explain it as an exploration of our story. I'm naturally curious about people and their lives, so Cayman Voices is exciting and allows me to capture this for everyone to enjoy. We are seeking out Caymanians, Multi generational, as well as some who have moved here to, you know, uproot their entire lives and to make this their home. This dream would not be possible without some sponsorship. And so I'd like to thank the Dart organization for stepping up to the plate uh, to ensure they were able to deliver regular monthly content for our viewers to enjoy. So sit back, kick up your feet, turn up the radio, relax, and listen to. K-man Voices. So this edition of Cayman Voices brings me to the beautiful district of West Bay. We have Mr. Kenneth Hurlston here with us and he's gonna tell us about life back in the day when he was a young boy growing up. So um, tell us a little bit, you know Caymanians can ask her, who you for? That's always, that always has to be the first question. Who your mama
8: was? <laughs> All right, I was uh, born here in West Bay. Yes. Um, my mother's name was Iway or Selena, Ebanks. Okay. But my father is uh His name really his name was Cleophas Ebanks. They call him Captain Tom. That's okay. Dalmin Ebanks' father. Dalmin, and me and Dalmin ah. are half brothers.
5: Wow.
3: Okay. Yeah. So yes. his
8: father and my father, different mother of course. hmm Um, I started out at over there where we was living in the little house out there on by handing Lane it's called now.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: There was no road there, was just a track road those days. Right. And uh, I used to start going to a school, Miss Izzy school.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Miss
8: Izzy school was right down on the back off Powell Smith Drive. And we could walk, mm-hmm. I could walk, I could stay home till I hear the bell ringing.
3: Mm-hmm. And I remember
8: mama telling me, say don't go, you them children to pick at you. Mm-hmm. Wait till you hear the bell and then you go straight to school. Okay. My mother used to tell me that and I used to do that. And, uh,
3: yeah. Were you an only child then for your mother or only
8: child at that time. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, my younger my other brother, which is Eugene, her uh-huh. son, he's uh seven years younger than me. So okay. I was just like four or five of them days when I was going to school there. hmm
4: uh-huh.
8: And I went to Mrs. Z's school until I was like 6 Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I left from there then and I went to the town hall school. I uh-huh. think Mrs. Z had second prima on ABC.
4: Uh-huh.
8: And uh, Town Hall had that, those days had Junior A and Junior B.
3: Okay. It
8: was, it was the same thing, but you know. yeah Anyway, I went from one to the next and I was there in Junior A, Junior B.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: There for a year, and in those days, it was only six years you go to school. They only had six books. It wasn't like how it is now. You had six books. Mm-hmm. So you start at 17, seven, and when you were 14, you were supposed to be in, in six books. Mm-hmm. Then you could, and then they had some kind of classes after that, you know, that you could take, but mm-hmm. it wasn't like no more school. That was that it. That was it. That was it. Wow. Yeah. So you were expected to grow up pretty quickly in those days? Oh, yeah. yeah you had to get your things together in those days. Yeah. Okay. And I uh, I stayed there but one year. I didn't, I got out of the primary school, a small school, mm-hmm. quick. Went over to the town hall, which is the library in West Bay there now. That mm-hmm. used to school six classes. And we had Miss mm-hmm. Alal Smith was the was the um, head teacher. Miss mm-hmm. Wee, Miss Iris, Miss Hope, all of them was teachers and mm. in the other classes.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: And uh, I stayed there and worked my way up until I got up to fifth book. Mm-hmm. When I was fifth book, though, I was in fo- I was 14 because one year I didn't really go to school that much at all. Me and Louisie were always fishing all year. Okay. And I didn't get it. I didn't get in my book. Me and Louis Hyde. So oh, just, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. I. Me and him grew up together like that. So
3: yeah,
4: yeah,
8: yeah. I was fishing all year, so we, I didn't get it in my book. And uh, <clears throat> and I stayed. I stayed in. At fourteen, I was in fifth book. Mm-hmm. So that time, I so I started to see too hard. My I, I couldn't go home to from school. I had to go look for my mother.
4: Mm-hmm. And
8: she was in somebody's ground, crawling on the ground and pulling mm-hmm. bush. You know, mm-hmm. wet ground sign. to got her. Shilling, or it was pound, shilling, and pence those days. Right, right, right. And I'm trying to get a shilling or a couple of sixpence sixpence or something mm-hmm. to send me to school. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, you know what, i got to stop and help my mother because wow. I didn't have no father. My father would not really have done anything for us. Yes. When I got of that age, he wanted me to come and stay with him and leave my mother. But uh-huh. he wasn't about to help my mother. I told him I couldn't do that. Yes. And through that, he no, he, he didn't really give me nothing. And he had all kind of land. He got rid of that. I didn't get one square inch or nothing. Anyway, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was worried about that part. Yeah. I saved my mother.
4: <clears throat>
8: yeah. Uh, I, I quit school, like I said, 14 then to go to work, to start to have, do something, And It wasn't mm-hmm. much work, but to pick on something, do something mm-hmm,
4: mm-hmm. to help her. Mm-hmm.
8: And I started, uh, well, in those days they, you know, came on, it was bad with the Prejudice business and stuff like that. Came on, came on all too, it was bad. Mm-hmm. And I would be riding bicycle for some of the white people because I was the only little colored guy in West Bend then. Oh, yeah. But I was respected and mm-hmm. I had managed to everybody, you know what I mean? I always said, yes, Mom, yes, sir. This yes. Everybody, everybody was glad for me for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, the, the, the white people then would give me a job to carry out the invitations to the mm-hmm. dances and stuff like that. Okay. And they would give me like four or five sheets of paper, and I had to ride around from one house to the next and get the people to sign it, and yes. they would have be having to dance in the town hall, which is the library Okay.
3: Right so you were a little delivery?
8: Yes. Yes. Wow. And they, they used to pay me a couple of shillings for that, you know. this okay. not so all that helped. Yes. And then I, I um, after that I started to, what did I go, after that I started to walk on the road. When mm-hmm. They started to build a road through the island,
4: mm-hmm. from
8: uh, town hall over here they started. And going through west bay went all the way up to the north side
4: mm-hmm.
8: and i worked with them about nine months when i started stopped working with them i was up by the big bend just before the barn in the north side a big bend mm-hmm. before you get to the barn there mm-hmm. and uh anyway me mean F- i was looking at floyd bush and bush the business. Tell, tell,
3: um, tell us a little bit about that because you know my generation we don't know anything about cayman not even having any roads what was involved in actually putting that road through? That must okay, have been interesting. Okay.
8: We had a company by the name of Lima.
4: Uh-huh.
8: They also did the airport. I worked on that too. Okay. But um their their office, their main place was right where Ben Ross where that shop is by Ben Ross house on the corner.
4: hmm
3: After they
8: crossed that Scraten Place, that corner that, that, right. that, that, that store right there we got a closing thing. Okay. That was a was the office for limo construction ah. and they had all their trucks and all their stuff they like that and all the they had the barber greens and everything you know for the roads and for uh-huh. everything and we started in west bay and i was working on the truck truck like used to grease the equipment i was working uh-huh. with fly bush
4: uh-huh.
8: and we used to grease all the trucks and grease all the bulldozers we'll and things that was our job keeping everything in the island grease right and i worked with him until i was uh, until I got up to the north side.
4: Uh-huh. At that okay. time,
8: I was like 17 or so, a little, a little more. Uh-huh. I. But and like, when we got back to the roads, in those days, you know, there was no, nothing, it was uh-huh. kind flat of roads. It was sand and mud and potholes and uh-huh. all uh-huh. that. And they built the road right straight all the way up to there. They made that road wow. right straight through Georgetown right straight up.
3: And where was this company from? They came in from? They were from
8: the States. They
3: were from the States. Yeah, okay.
8: Lima, Lima Construction.
3: Hmm.
8: Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and we, we built that road right up through there and I quit. I left, when I left them, then I went and took my passport out. I got my passport and mm-hmm. police record and stuff like that. And I remember mm-hmm. that was, was when I was like about 17 because I got a call after that to go on a ship mm-hmm. uh, with a company named Young.
4: Mm-hmm. Company named
8: Young. The ship came into Cayman. And we all went up to spots. I remember my mm-hmm. mother getting Captain Ali to carry us up there because I had to go up there and join it
4: mm-hmm.
8: and we went up to spots and joined the ship. I think it was on a Sunday
4: mm-hmm. if I'm not
8: mistaken. But anyway that was in. Uh, that was after when they came here. I joined it must have been in October. I think around about October when I was like 18
4: mm-hmm.
8: at that time. And, then, and I went and I was out like about four months. I was out uh, five, five months or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came home, I think, in February,
4: mm-hmm.
8: and uh, because they was scrapping the ship. Mm-hmm. So they was taking it off the route and runs. I went around to the Panama Canal and up the west coast and, and came back through the canal and went back up again. When it was going back, they was going to scrap it. Mm-hmm. So they, they, it was going up the west coast and they took us off in, the, in Panama mm-hmm. and sent us home. All of us, because they say what they're going to do is carry it to Japan mm-hmm. with a skeleton crew which means less people as you could as go you can. With, yeah. so they didn't have that many to fly back.
3: Right. So they, they flew you from
8: Panama to Cayman
3: back in those days? Yeah. Oh, well, wow. we had to
8: go to Miami. You had to go to Miami. And catch BWA. Okay. we well, they do BWA, Laxa, and all like that huh. So okay. we had to catch BWA and come back here then. All
3: right. What airline is that sound for
8: now? BWA British West Indies
3: Airlines.
8: Ah, okay. BWA,
4: yeah.
8: Mm-hmm. And then Laxa. Now tell me LAXA something. a
3: seventeen-year-old, getting on the ship, what, what was that experience like?
8: Oh, well, it was. You know, I I was on water all my life though. You yeah. Know, fishing and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. then I was nine, ten years old. I used to fish all the time. My mm-hmm. name is Mr. Isaac. He used to come look for me 2-3 mm-hmm. o'clock in the morning and we go fishing with him.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: And I tell you Joe, one of the biggest surprises to me, I used to go out fishing with him mm-hmm. and we used to go all about up to here bay. In those days there was no lights. Oh boy. No lights. Yeah. How we knew where we was was by the rises in the land. We could watch the rises in the land. Okay. And that's how we knew where to stop the wow. fish. Wow. One light was hanging up those days and that was right where Ira Thompson had his little shop. I think it must be where the, um, what Ira Thompson place named there now? They, right on the waterfront, where his daughters had their day. It's upstairs now and thing, but I those days there was great trees and thing there. Mm. And he had his little shop, Thompson, mm-hmm. uh, uh, well, Ira, Walt, Ira, Ira Thompson. Mm-hmm. And he had a little light hanging up there. And you, sometime when you stay in West Bay, you could see the little light flash like that. That was the only lights along the whole island. Wow. Yeah. And anyway, my surprise one day was for with Mr. Isaac all these years and Nine, ten years old, he'd come look for me sometime, go fishing with him, and spent on the weekends in mm-hmm. no school. Mom was seven stars to come got up and gone out. Those days a track road walker, you hold your hand, the guy you couldn't see your hand in front of you. No, because the trees was growing right over the roads, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Cows on both sides of the fence. Anyway. Uh I didn't know he couldn't swim. And I was all about with him and I was so small and all mm. the night and all about. How I know he couldn't swim. One day for yeah. years afterwards. Mm-hmm. We came back and we had quite a lot of fish, you know, catch fish those days, old wives, squabs and grunts. And you know, mm-hmm. We were down clean it, clean, it, clean it, and clean uh, mm-hmm. and he, he had a kind of bad temper. <clears throat> you know, he got wrecked squeaked. Mm-hmm. This one wanted fish, and that time fish is sixpence a pound, you know, and six mm-hmm. pence a pound, not like it is now, you know.
4: Mm-hmm. And
8: things like that. And this one wanted this fish, this one wanted that one. He, he said, hold up now, hold up now. And he cut his finger. So he got waxed. And mm-hmm. somebody said, I want this one, that. He said, I want this and that. He took all the fish and threw it in the box and carried them down to the stream, dumped them in the sea. Oh, go gosh. Everybody had to go up. But after he cleaned up his boat after that, after everybody was gone, he went back in the sea and he was taking his foot and raking his fish <laughs> up, raking the fish okay. up. okay. And I said to him, Mr. Isaac, wait, don't doing? Dive, Dive and get and him. He said, so now I can't swim. Oh, my gosh. That, that was a shock a, to you. That was a shock to me because I was all about this all the night, all about all the water. somebody again. who
3: can't swim.
8: And yeah, and I was me years old. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
3: Well, luckily
8: you never gotten into trouble that you needed him to swim. No, <laughs> that's true, you know. And I said, Oh, but then I I drove it up from then. I drove it up and got the fish and I said, Oh. Yeah. But that was I never forget that. But anyway, talking back about the uh, young bit the company they are young, mm-hmm. they they uh sold out the, the ship because, like I said, it was going to strap it in Japan's strap mm-hmm. Yard. And I came home, and I was home for a couple of months, mm-hmm. and this was in Southwell, and then was also here, started.
4: Mm-hmm. And it,
8: this, and then in, uh, in 60, this was 59, mm-hmm. and I started really young, I came back home somewhere like January somewhere summer at the first of 60. I was home for a couple of months, I got a call him in Southwell. Mm-hmm. And I I went away with Southwell on the Something around about, it was around about the or I don't know the 2nd or something of May, 1960.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: And we flew to New York, but in going mm-hmm. to New York, we went through Newark, New Jersey.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: And they put all some of our things in Newark.
5: Mm-hmm.
8: And uh, when we got to New York, we didn't have no suitcase. Oh,
5: wow.
8: Anyway, I can't remember this woman's name. We went and stayed by her place.
5: Mm-hmm. The next
8: day, we went up to the office, and they told us that before we leave, they would have all things up there. They would get things from there. Anyway, they didn't get anything and we left from there then the ship had gone up the west coast.
4: Mm-hmm. What
8: they done? They took over the Albert G. Brown. They took mm-hmm. the Albert G. Brown over because they was bringing out a ship from Japan themselves called the Old salon. a new one. Mm-hmm. And they was going to send the crew up on this Albert G. Brown rather than flying them all up there and all that. Okay. Yeah. So they took the Albert G. Brown over and they sent us then back to the Albert G. Brown to catch her in...
4: Uh-huh.
8: in um. So that was the other ship that you- That was the ship I got off I got
3: off of? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah,
8: yeah. But they took it over because we were going up the west right, coast. Right,
3: right, right. Picking
8: up scrap metal, you know, to go across the, to Japan, mm-hmm. to go across the Pacific. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they sent us to that, then we, I tried to catch it, tried to catch it in Vancouver. It had gone from Vancouver and it had gone to seattle Tacoma, and we caught it in seattle Tacoma, then. And we left, I don't. We forgot, we left seattle Tacoma. I think it was somewhere around the 20, 20, 20, the, it took the fourth or so. It took, took twenty six days going across. Mm-hmm. So around the fourth of May, mm-hmm. and I remember going across the Pacific. It was flat like this, just big rolled seas like.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: And we were fishing at sharks and all kind of thing in the Pacific.
4: Mm-hmm. I remember the,
8: Captain Engineer named Captain Culver Jackson. He got a mm-hmm. bad cut on his arm with the way of hooking sharks and things. Forget that.
4: Mm-hmm. And we
8: made it across the. Um, to Japan, because one buyer was up and down expansion, triple expansion, mm-hmm. and one buyer would be walking and we take parts so and not fix the next one, keep going like that. Okay. And we got into the scrapyard in dry dock in, in Japan, went to Curie,
4: mm-hmm.
8: and the scrapyard that we went to, we had to leave the ship there, so we stayed there the night, and on the 1st of June, we went over to the hotels in Curie to wait for the old Saturn in. And she wasn't finished, and we had to stay Mm. in Japan one month. We leave there on my birthday, the 30th of June, and I'll never forget that. I leave there on the 30th of June. I almost got married in Japan. Really? Almost. (laughs) Found yourself a little Japanese wife. (laughs) I keep wondering what would have happened if I stayed in Japan. I know. But I I could have got married.
3: So what was it like in Japan back then? Those
8: days? Yeah. Oh, my God. In Japan those days, you know you be walking down the street and you got a woman coming down the street with two three daughters behind her. Hey, you boy, sung one girl, sung. Hey, you boy, sung one girl, song.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were looking for husbands. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
4: yeah.
8: And, and
3: this bar. This and I'm sure you guys looked good being from the Caribbean. They'd probably never seen anything like that before.
8: Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. They, 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 a couple of the guys on the ship that had went with us had been the cure before bringing out other ships. Mm-hmm. This was my first time. A couple of us, well, first time.
4: Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm.
8: And we had a restaurant at uh, a bar we used to go to called Robin Bar. Okay. Not everybody hang out there.
3: Yeah. And then another
8: one that we used to go to called um, Neptune, I think Neptune Bar or something like this. Mm-hmm. They didn't have no food there. So the girls that was there, nice girls, you know, we'd go there and drink and mm-hmm. And then they would order food for us. But the girl that bring the food, with her and her brother came to bring the food.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: So one day, me and JB and Jewel somebody was out walking around the place, and I see this mm-hmm. girl. I said, "Oh wait, that's the girl that bring the food over for us out there." Mm-hmm. So she went into this right kind of hole, in the wall and a hole. Mm-hmm. So I went followed her, and that was her father and mother restaurant.
4: They were oh. the ones who used to cook
8: in and the in Senate, right? Okay. So I said, "Well oh, yeah." So I went. Mean, I started talking with her, and it's only a couple of days after it was there. You mm-hmm.
4: mean,
8: I went. and I started talking with her. And I asked her could take her to the movies, because I found out she used to speak in English. Okay. She used to go to school in Hiroshima, where, ah. the, where the Americans and things were over there, you know? Right. From World War Two. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. She
8: used to go to school there. Yeah. She could speak a bit of English. So she'd say, yeah, we could go, but her brother would have to go. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, nothing wrong with that. So we would go mm-hmm. to the movies. Some night, and the movie would be in English, and then, and then the writing in Japanese. Sometimes it would be writing mm-hmm. in English and talking in Japanese.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: Like that, you know? So. After about four days or five days, I mean, I was kind of close. Then. Her parents decided, said they was going to Hiroshima for vacation. Mm-hmm. And she told me, said she wasn't going with them.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, they
8: told her she didn't go, they were locking her out of the house. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I didn't know nothing more about it. this was like a Thursday.
4: Mm-hmm. But on a Saturday evening,
8: I was at Robin Bar and the mama sang, we called her Mama Sung. And they used to call me Baby Sung because I was so small.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: She comes. She said, "Baby song, baby song, phone." Mm-hmm. So I took the phone, and her name was Mariko. I remember that?
4: Mm-hmm. She so
8: was Mariko. She was calling me. I Asked me where I am. I told her where I was. She said, "Well, wait, well, don't come where I is." I said, "Where? Well, I thought you had gone with your mother." She mm-hmm. said, "No, I wouldn't go." Mm-hmm. She had left and went to a place. This is how they turned bad in these those days, you know. Mm-hmm. She left and went to a place. We had must have been about twenty girls or more. Mm. Working. Working girls Then you know what I mean for mm. prostitution mm. forum, right? prostitution. Yeah. Yeah. And she left and she went there and she called me and told me where she was. So mm-hmm. me and Elbert Brown from Georgetown and uh,
4: mm-hmm.
8: Plant and Seymour. They're mm-hmm. all dead now. Yeah. We went, I said, let's go with maybe I got a place to go sit. The girls sit, Plant the girls and grass, so we go there, place mm-hmm. girls. So we went and when we got to the place, the front of the place I look elaborated. Mm-hmm. But when you step in the door, you had to leave your shoes right there. Mm-hmm. It was aquarium by the door with slippers, you couldn't go on foot and them your shoes. Mm-hmm. So we got a slip got in there and this lady come and she must have been about 30 I guess, that was the mama's son daughter.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: And she says, um, yes sir. So we said, well, we come in the girls. She mm-hmm. said, yes, tell the girls, come. So mm-hmm. we put on the slippers and we went sort sat of on this bed in this room. At 10. that point, then did you know what you,
3: what you were in for? You knew that this was a a madam's house or whatever.
8: Well, I could, I suspected yeah. that, but I was yeah. looking out for Marico. Right. You know, and I I once said she was there. She told me so I didn't ask no name, but yeah. she said that these girls. Okay. About ten or twelve, months, so I don't know the bed, and we said, I want to talk to them. This not, but I don't see Marico. So I say any more girls? She said, yes more. So she called them, and they mm-hmm. come, and she come. Then she come, in, Marico came. So I got up and went to Marico, sit so down with me. Mm-hmm. And the guy said, well, that's how you do it. We're not staying. I said, that's your business. i know I not going away?
4: Mm-hmm. And I
8: stayed there one week there. Mm. And The other people that was out to the hotel in Curie with the captain and stuff like that, mm-hmm. the captain had his special hotel, and all the rest of them were staying in another hotel. So okay. if you wanted money, you had to go to the captain and get money and stuff like right. that. Okay. Because we were going to be there for like a month. Yes. So I was up there then for, must have been over a week, me and her there. Okay. When we found her, her mother had come <laughs> back, Then I brought her back, and her mother we went back there and talked this dad with was okay. And I was planning to get married. We want to get married. We used to go shopping and all this kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I was I was 19. but well, I wasn't quite 19. I was 19 June, the end mm-hmm. of the month. She was just 17 or 18, something like that.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
8: uh, anyway, I decided, I said, Ken, you can't get married. Stay in Japan. What you, you know, that's not for you now, man. So I said, mm-hmm. How want to get out of this now. So I told her, I said, well, we got about two weeks more, mm-hmm. so we decided got married, but I know it was only like two or three days more and the ship oh, okay. was going to leave. Right? <laughs> yeah. So when the ship was about to leave the next day, I told her, I said, oh my God, they called and said the ship will leave, so I got to leave tomorrow.
3: Uh-huh.
8: That's how I got out of that one.
3: Yeah, so but, you couldn't
8: plan no wedding that quick? <laughs> no, 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 I couldn't get married in that short of time, so I got out of that. And uh, yeah. I used to write, we used to write, correspond, write, correspond. I went back to Japan, different places two or three times. I didn't go back to Cuba, but I went back to couple of other places since mm-hmm. that, but we used to write things I said, well, you know, i got to put this down because I never see her again. Mm-hmm. But I keep, now up to now, I keep thinking, I wonder well, no, what would it have been like if I'd got by stage in Japan? Oh, you, know, you never know. I would have been, I probably had to go walk like on a dry dock or something like yeah. this and do something. I would have gotten probably the language too, you know. Yeah,
4: yeah,
3: yeah. But you, you know. Know. but you know what I always say, you're right where you're supposed to be. Yeah. So, so you, were su- you were supposed to be in case Everything happens for a
4: reason.
3: Yeah, you
8: know, absolutely. Yeah. So then, uh, after that, then we, we got out on the ship and teamed down on the ship and, uh, Left it on my birthday, June. He mm-hmm. came down to the Panama Canal, and oh, excuse me. All this time, I had one pants, one on the. You never
3: did get your, your suitcase and stuff. No, wow. one shirt,
8: one pants.
4: Yeah.
8: I used to work. <coughs> I was messman. Started messman. I I used to work with a messman jacket
4: mm-hmm.
8: and my pants, and then the I, I washed my pants in the shirt, and I was sleeping in my underpants again. Came back down to down to the. Uh, Morrisville, Mm -hmm. Staten, New Jersey there. I went up to the office, called up to the office, no, they not got the suitcases yet. Went back to Venezuela, lowered with iron ore, come back to Philadelphia, not got them yet.
4: Mm.
8: About two or three trips or something like that, about four months when I got my things. But the joke is, when I was in Japan and I had no clothes, I had to go buy some pants. But the Japanese is so short, right? (laughs) I and mean, when I bought the pants, it was done short, I stepped over water, <laughs> Yeah. my <warm> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh, that was funny. I had Yeah, uh, yeah, blah, blah, yeah. Thing, but. You had some adventures then. Yeah, uh, yeah. But anyway, worked out, and we came, then I got my things, then I mm-hmm. stayed on the ship then over southern for uh, quite a while, then I came home, and was home for bed, then I'd go back again like I sailed about eight you or know, nine different ships, mm-hmm. have, you know. So, so
3: when you were out now at sea. Um, you would
8: keep in contact with your mom? You'd write her letters? Or... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Those, those days when I started in, I was only making $90 a month. Yeah. And I would send home $50 for my mother, mm-hmm. and I would keep 40 mm-hmm. But For $40, I could go and buy a pair of shoes or a pair of clothes, mm-hmm. a suit of clothes, and uh, probably go show and drink a beer or two,
4: mm-hmm. and come
8: back to the ship, and have a little money to gamble on the ship.
4: Mm-hmm. $40. Mm-hmm.
8: Today, $400 can't buy up here. Please. Trust me.
4: Yeah.
8: That's the difference. Yeah. I could buy a suit of clothes those days, have a drink,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and
8: have money to gamble it. $400. Hello. I used to send home $50 to my mother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, $90 a month. Yeah. Uh, we would, would, would get uh, $90 a month. Where that Let's see which way I go. Whenever, if it was into the States, it was in in you no, know, if it was in the States I only got ninety dollars. Those mm-hmm. out of the States we got a hundred and ten dollars a month. Oh, okay. hmm And I walked and walked and walked with them till up till I stopped sailing in nineteen seventy. Mhm. But by that time I had I went from a from, uh, messman to wiper, wiper to fireman,
4: mm-hmm.
8: fireman to junior engineer. I never didn't go to Ireland. I skipped island and went to junior engineer.
4: hmm I
8: was sailing junior engineer then on the ships and The last ship that I was on the George Sharp in the Freesia, I was sailing, I used to sail 30 her in Europe. I couldn't sail it in the States because I didn't have the license. Mm. So when I got off, when I got the last ship, it was was the Phoenix. I got off the ship, one ship and I said, well, I gonna come up to New York, go up to New York and go sit for my license because I needed to catch up on refrigeration and electronics. But uh. It was November, December time when Christmas lights was on and partying and this and that. So I told him, I said, I'm gonna stay up in party, man. I go back mm-hmm. out in January and come back in later. And I said, Okay, you have to put on a scene. now you had enough of this.
4: Mm-hmm. That's
8: how I was, you know. At that time I no, it was like ten years. Yes. And my life span runs around ten years. I do anything for ten for years. 10 I, years. I, get, I get out of it.
3: You get out Yeah. <laughs> okay.
8: Of Mar for ten years, I got out of that.
3: <laughs> that's that's your tolerance level, ten years. Yeah,
8: man. I've met the sea yes. for ten years. I had a, a, a child fishing boat for ten years. Hmm. Yeah, you, know, that's, yeah. that's, that's,
3: uh, you were talking about this lady in um, was it New Jersey, New York that you guys went
8: to? Brooklyn, New in York. In Brooklyn. She where was she from? Cayman Brack.
3: She's from Cayman Brack. Yeah,
8: but she had this this okay. house that she used to take, you know. You know Mr. Rich. He was a Cayman Bracker, you know. Yes. But he used to work this in the um, Alton Rich and him Okay brother. But he hmm. used to work in the office in the, in this uh National Bankier, at that time called Southwell Office in New York, uh-huh. so that's why he would be hiring people from K1 all the time.
4: Uh-huh.
3: He was the one
8: who looked after people getting people from K1. Right, yeah. And then they used to stay with this Miss Lady, this Lady, this one. I can't remember her name. Uh-huh. But we used to stay there. Then we would take the train go up to the office, uh-huh. process us, and we come back and stay there till the day that we got to leave and uh-huh. go to wherever we got to go to Europe or wherever, yeah. we gotta go to the West Coast or catch the ship, the yeah, were joining. Yeah. yeah,
3: and the the um the, the shipping companies seem to have taken pretty good care of you guys. If you wanted certain certifications, they might help you get you know different.
8: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I I came home yeah. ship shipped all my discharges and things like that. I don't know where it mm. Is now, but I got all my discharges, yeah. all the shipping stuff like that. I didn't get my third engineer license, but at the end I said, you know, I want to stop the sailing. Yeah. And if I got third, gonna want to get second. got gonna to to get first. And mm-hmm. I decided to stop.
4: Mm-hmm. But
8: I, I wasn't sure, sure I could have done it. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I was doing the work anyway.
4: Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm.
8: I didn't have the paper. So I, uh,
4: mm-hmm. I decided.
8: That was 1970. And I don't know if I should put this in there, but uh, in 1970, I was on a ship with a, a, a chief engineer named Sawyer.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: And uh, i sailed with him before.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: And the first engineer there was a Greek. And Greeks never liked us, West Indians, you know, they never mm. liked us at all, you know.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: And, uh, got guys from Turks and Caicos on there, and this first engineer, Greek would be pushed them on the bottom and pushed them. And uh, they're big, strapping guys. I said, mm-hmm. excuse me, man. I said, oh, look how strong I am, man. I said, I'm like this man, the boat like this man. Mm-hmm. He didn't like me telling them that. He heard about what I was telling them and all that kind of thing, mm-hmm. so he got it in for me. But you see, I never used to work with him. I was junior engineer, and when I go to work, they work. The chief engineer would call me and ask me to work for him. Mm. So I used to do head welding for the chief. I used to do this, and that. I used to do everything for the chief, mm-hmm. you know.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: And anyway, I don't know what happened.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: But one night, Powell. When his name Powell was the pump one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, the captain, the, 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 the Sparks called me and said to me, say can come up. So I went up to the... Sparks is the radio operator. I went up to him. He had all of passports and things. He said, Ken, they're paying you off the ship when you get into Aruba. Now, mm-hmm. this was coming out of an automobile, out of... Out of uh, uh, this was coming out it's in the tip end of the tip of the tongue. Any coming out of the states. We're mm-hmm, mm-hmm. going back to go back, to Aruba, back to Aruba now.
3: Mm-hmm. Your major ports, a lot of times, seems like it was Alabama, Texas was another
8: area that you guys would come to. Yeah, some people used to go into Texas. I know have been into Texas, but Mobile, and
4: uh-huh.
8: Alabama, Philadelphia. Okay. Trim, okay. like that. Mm-hmm. The West Coast, okay, and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, most of the ships used to go into Philly mm-hmm. and New Jersey Trenton, you know, but I'm there like that.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: Yeah, but anyway, we were going to Aruba now
4: mm. and
8: they said it would put me off in Aruba. I said, well, I'm that big and I pleaded with the captain, and I cried to him. I said, Cap, I don't want to get off in Aruba. I said, I go get off and I go back to the states because at that time my first wife had left Cayman and coming up to the states to Mr. Irwin him, her family. And I was mm-hmm. going to get off in New York when I go back there and get married up there. Mm-hmm. It might not hurt me so much. And anyway, so no, you know, he put me off there. I said, well, Cap, I don't want to get off in Aruba.
4: Mm-hmm. Anyway,
8: I said, well, I told the spark, I said, if I get off, somebody go in with me.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
8: I can't find somebody with me because I don't want to do this design. Found an excuse, said that I refuse work. All the guys on the ship tell me, say said, can't nobody refuse no work mm-hmm. because there's no work. That's what he found out to tell me. See, they couldn't find out there to find me for mm-hmm. it. Right? So anyway, I said, okay, good. Well, I know it was the first engineer.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: I went to the chief. I said, chief, what is it all about? He don't know. I said, you don't know, chief? And he's the man I work with. I went up to the captain mm-hmm. again. Captain said, I don't want to hear mean That's what they say from the engine room. I said, oh, my God. Anyway. I said, well, I can't hear somebody mm-hmm. with me. That morning I got up, when I, was, when I got into the ship, they pop down that, that night. Next morning I was going to go to get the, the guy at the uh, Seaman Club uh, to find a place to meet there and wait for me. To, for the flight out,
4: coming
8: to K I went. And I got one piece of sixteen inch pipe. Got a nice pipe. It's the water pipe. I don't know if I should put this in there. But
3: Tell us how it was. Well, I mean, listen. You just told us how you exper- experienced prejudice just because you were a Caribbean man. Yeah. So. Well, this, this, was, this was life, right? Yeah. This yeah. was
8: life. I didn't did, and I, I said, well, you know, I can't do So I went looking for the first one about four o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find him nowhere. I say, you know, man, he going on show because he knows I won't be looking for him.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: Anyway, he had slept in the cadet room between the chief room and the steward room where he had hide. He wasn't in his room, because I went in the first, second, third mm-hmm. room. Anyway, I said, I can't find his first, but I know where the chief is. So I went up to the chief room, went through his office, went through the, the little cupboard thing. Mm-hmm. He lay on the bed sleeping. I took the, the, the piece of pipe and I said, Chief, get up. I mean I take his foot off the bed, I lick him down across the knee with that. I mm-hmm. break his leg or what? And he looked at me, what are you doing with this? He said, I'll lick across the side of the head.
4: Mm-hmm. And then
8: he says, I'll lick across the side of the head again. He grabbed the phone, I grabbed the old phone, I him across his arm. I popped the old phone off and I licked him again one more time and his eyes rolling and rolling in the head. I didn't want to kill him. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to beat him make him on the side, thing go. But I could have kill him, I didn't want to kill him. I left him then, I took the food for it through the porthole. So with a pipe and I picked uh-huh. up my suitcase and I walked off, I got off the ship around about 7.30. So i mean eight, I went to the seaman place. The guy told me, and well, the agent come in and a little bit, must wait. So I leave my things there and I went downtown, sit in a bar, have a drink. When I was there for a while, Darby from West Bay, and one of the guys come there and say, Ken, how you doing? I said, all right, man. He said, boy, find the chief, you know. But I know they wouldn't find him until after 8 o'clock because that's when he going to look, the first going to be looking for to find uh-huh. what kind of work he's going to do, right? Anyway, they yeah, say, say. They say you must have beat him up. I said me I saw him. Anyway anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway I say and then anyway I stayed and I say, you know what happened? I better go back down. So I went back down to the C one place. The guy tell me he said, Man, the police come here looking for you. Saying that when you come back come? no, I said he really is he say, right across the street there. Mm-hmm. So I just uploaded him and across the street and they asked him about it. I said, no, I don't, but the man, the man told me to get off the ship, so I got of the ship. Mm-hmm. And I said, the captain said he saw you down there, the captain had come board the ship drunk. I know that was a lie again, because the captain said, well, he's drunk. That was what the captain saying. Captain Thomas, he name. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they're going on, going on. So the chief of detectives there told me, "Say this is like a little detective place, because in Reuben in those days, there was no big lockup. Mm-hmm. Well, the hell came on Jamaica was. You know, right. the lockup here, but it said it was Jamaica. Yeah. They'd send you from a a to Curacao. so that was where oh, the big jail okay. was. So anyway, the chief detective told me, he says, look, listen,
4: mm-hmm. we don't
8: care nothing about you. We don't care nothing about the chief. We don't care mm-hmm. nothing about none of this. We got more than we need to deal with here. But, you know, it already come through us now. So you cannot leave the island again under seven days. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so meanwhile, we got to be investigating this and checking this and that. Mm-hmm. So then I thought about it. I said, you know what? Well, sure, man. Like they, said, oh, they said, if you tell us what happened, you can't leave one to seven days, if you don't tell us, you still can't leave one to seven days. Mm-hmm. So I said it over. I told them what happened. When I told them, then, I had to write it out. Mm-hmm. I write it out. They said they don't believe that. All right. Okay. I took it and threw it up, threw it away. Okay. Then I had to write it out again. I told them I beat them up with a piece of pipe. Uh-huh. And I told them what they had done me and all of this and that.
4: Uh-huh.
8: And what caused it? You know, they took that then. And, so they had me there and they sent me, carried me over to the other side of the island to a lock up place. Mm-hmm. And over
4: there
8: I found guys that was locked up for riding without light or getting in an accident and stuff. Mm-hmm. So all they were playing dominoes and playing cards, you know what I mean? Yeah. I stayed over there. I, I had lose about five, six pounds on the ship, working so hard, and it couple of eight months. And I put it right back on over there.
3: <laughs> Eating good food yeah, and locked yeah, up. Yeah.
8: And then uh we had about seven days They scam me in front of this judge. And uh-huh. The judge said to me, he said, you want to go home, sonny? I said, sir, I want to go from Damakimi. Uh-huh. He said, okay, tomorrow morning the agent will come and get you and carry you home. Uh-huh. So that was the end of that. But I heard after that that they took him off the ship in the States
4: uh-huh. and
8: fired him because he couldn't get you no know, account of what had took place.
4: Uh-huh. Because see, he had
8: been lying on top of me. There was no refusal, there was no walking to refuse. Uh-huh. And the thing is, when you go, when the a junior engineer, you walk till uh, midday. Saturday,
4: mm-hmm.
8: and then the rest of the time was just till Monday morning.
4: Mm-hmm. So
8: I went up to uptown New York, or that I mean, we was there, mm-hmm. I and mean, we didn't come back until Monday. When I come back, then the say said I really mm-hmm. refused work. But the other guys told me it was no work, and yes. they didn't want no work. I was like, so they only wow. did that, you know. So Mm-mm. anyway, I had to beat him for that. I had to beat yeah. him. I had to beat him. Yeah. <laughs> so I in, in those in
3: those days, you had people lying on your same way in the oh, workplace. Yeah, oh my, my God. God yeah.
8: Oh, they would wow. do anything, right? especially the Greeks with us, you know. Oh my gosh. Yeah,
3: wow. Mm-hmm. So after that,
8: then you came back home. Uh, yeah. So after that, then I came home and I said, well, I guess that's the end of it now. Yeah. Miss Gwen called me one time after that and said to me, if I want to go back out. I said, no, Miss Gwen, I'll finish. Mm-hmm. I'm not going back mm-hmm. no more.
4: Mm-hmm. But she
8: mm-hmm. called me one time after that, a couple of months after I was here and said, to her, if I want to go back. I said, no, 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 mm-hmm. no, I'm not going back. I'll finish. So then I started to work in hotels and stuff like that. Walked out the villas. Now you said you were planning on getting married. Did you get married? In Japan?
3: No, no, no. You said you were going to go to New York and get married to someone. Who? Who was that now?
8: Oh, yeah, yeah. You got married to that person? I got married. She came home. Okay. And after she came home then... So she was from (coughs) Cayman? Cayman, yeah.
4: Okay.
8: She was Bozzy. You might know Bozzy. Charles Bush. Mm. Bozzy. Her sister sister named... her name is Donna May. Okay. She got a house set up down by the Drive by the corner there. Okay. But me and her, after 10 years, me and her had to separate because I got a job with Astro Marine out of Houston. We got oh. married. Oh. And we were married together.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: Going along, okay. Had two nice kids, Therese and Kim, is mm-hmm. my daughters, mm-hmm. by her. And uh Got a job in, in, in Brazil, working with a company out of Houston, Astro-Marine, mm. Floyd Bush and Mungin, all all them, because they didn't know I was an engineer. Mm-hmm. So they asked me to come up and do some work with them, and must bring somebody, so I can add Richard Wells up with me too.
4: Mm.
8: But then we had to go through Costa Rica and about then I got to
4: mm-hmm.
8: the Brazil side. So anyway, that's the best job i had in my life. Mm-hmm. But I had bad luck with the one from them. And I keep thinking <laughs> I should have stayed with that lady in in Japan. And maybe that would cause it. I <laughs> but <clears throat> anyway. So she,
3: she didn't want to go to the States with you? Who?
8: Your wife. No, no, she couldn't go. She had two young children okay, and so she stuff had to like stay. that. But I didn't go to the States. I went to Brazil. Oh, okay. To work. I had an eighteen month contract. Was supposed to do nine months there,
4: mm-hmm.
8: Come home for one month and go back and do the other eight. But uh, they were paying me, that's the best job i had in my life, they were paying me $1,100 a month base pay. Mm-hmm. They were giving me another $1,100 or $1,200 a month for a living allowance in Brazil.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: Cuc- Cuc- Cuceros, Cuceros. Mm-hmm. The first two months I was up there, I sent home $450 US. and the next two months, $450. I said home $900 a month out of the $1,100. The other $200 they took mm-hmm. and put it in a check and it comes me in Houston. I never mm. had to touch it. I was living off of what they were giving me there.
4: Mm. And
8: most of those other guys that was there, they had apartments and things to pay. I was living in a hotel. So if mm. I went and got food, I got a wheelchair, I came back to the office, I got money back. That was the best job I had in my life. Mm. When I left here, mm-hmm. the house that she's staying in now, the foundation was there, filled in, ready to do mm-hmm. the plumbing. I went up there and I sent home this money, some $900 a month. Calling, doing this, they're doing that, they're doing this, they're doing that, this getting done.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: Okay, that sounds good. When I got nine months in, I was going to come home, but my company said to me, You better stay as long as you can because we might lose our contract with Petrobras, which is a part of the Brazilian government. Mm-hmm. But this company was Astro Marine, they were out of Texas. Right. Anyway, I said, Okay, so we stayed in and we ended up getting 11 and a half months. I mean Richard had to come home because the other guys were there all oh, long old guys, so they stayed to clean up him.
3: Yeah. Clean.
8: When I came home, I got to the house we were staying in and before I met away we had all the plumbing stuff on either house floor. Mm-hmm. While those houses up on, on steps, you know. When I got to the house I see this all the plumbing stuff still there. I said, Well wait, what happened here?
4: Mm.
8: I drove up, went up to the up there where the house is. Mm-hmm. Mm when I get there, I almost fall down. The whole house grown up in Bush, not one block laid the same thing as mm-hmm. like a while after everything grown up. So all that money you were sending wasn't yeah. building the house? Eleven hundred dollars a month for nine months.
3: Oh my god No, for
8: eleven months. And mine that was seventy-eight, seventy-nine, big was money, good money. Big money them days. Yeah. She was working Garden Beach Hotel. Uh-huh. I went and looked for her. I said, well, what happened? What happened with this situation? What yeah. times You tell me, me what you doing this? I, I said, well, how come you never done nothing with the house? Mm-hmm. do I hear and this, that, this thing like that. I said, well, what about the money? Where, where mm-hmm, the money is? Mm-hmm. I need the money. to She's not got no money. Mm-mm. I said, not got no money. Oh my God, right away I thought about it. three different ways how to get rid of her. <laughs> yeah, honest to God. But <laughs> I said, okay, let me find out what is going on here. When I come to find out, show along with this guy, Alfonso. You might oh, know follow him, Alfonso boy. Green. He oh. did now, he did. But he okay. was walking there at the hotel too. She must have gave him all the money, because I had up finding that Alfonso and his wife, Alfonso's wife, and her husband, being fed up at the airport and all that.
3: Oh, my gosh. So that was scandal then them days. Yeah. Jeez, I'm
8: pissed. Yeah, yeah man. Alfon- Alfon-
3: Good Alfon- thing Road wasn't around then. <laughs> She, you know, would have,
8: she would have been front and center. You, know,
3: you had some stuff
8: to put <laughs> yeah, together. Yeah, trust me. Man, anyway, I found out all that after that. And I said, Well, you know what? It do not make sense. I do well with this woman because what well, I can do it with my two kids?
4: Mm-hmm.
8: I said, They're young still. And I said, What well, I can do with them? I have to lie to them the rest of my life.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: Right? And I said, No, I don't feel like doing that. I said, Ken, you know something? You're 400 years old. But you can get out of this. Yeah. You, you can start. And I just quit. I went up with my mother, put my things out there. I was taking care of it. At that time, then I started to walk up Henry Drew's house in, in uh, Snug Harbor, mm-hmm. and he had a boat, big boat, alongside the dock, yacht, and I went aboard her, and I took, I took out everything I needed and put on her, and mm-hmm. I pulled her off in the middle of the canal, and I tied her head off, and I off, and I ran an extension cord to the, to the house, mm-hmm. and I stayed there for two weeks, then we we'll come back on land. Mm-hmm. And every time they come down calling, I look through the thing and I see them, I, I lay back now. Mm-hmm. After two weeks, they left me alone. Then I got my divorce through desertion. <laughs> I got my divorce through desertion. He <laughs>
3: just left alone. That was it.
8: Yeah. And I got my divorce through that. It didn't cost me nothing. But the house now, a piece of land, I wanted to pay her for her share of it mm-hmm. so I could get a bill to something for the kids because it wasn't the kids' fault. Yeah. I know there's no other kid's father like that, so I get something to some mistake. So she's not giving me that, she not making me get it.
4: Mm-hmm. I said,
8: well, then I'm not giving you mine. Mm-hmm. I had another piece of land up on Pleasant, you know, that I wanted to build, mm-hmm. to give her. I said, oh. I said, well, you're not getting mine. So then I said, all right. I left it like it was.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: When she went to get a mortgage then to build it on it, she couldn't get no mortgage. Mm-hmm.
4: No. That
8: wasn't what I done. I took my share. And I put in my two children' name that nobody mm-hmm. could do anything with it until they was 21 or 25. I don't remember exactly what mm-hmm. years old. So when she went to get a mortgage, she couldn't get no mortgage because the children was too young for the part. I went back to her brother named Deborah,
4: mm-hmm. and I put
8: Deborah in charge of the two children mm-hmm. so that she could get a mortgage to build a house. Because I wanted the children house of their stayed. Yeah,
3: of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it,
8: it, 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 it was a fault of them. So I. Children always been my weakness. Yeah, yeah. So, done that, then. It, they, they, I don't know what happened to it after that, but they got it, she got it fixed. I think Jimmy Paul. They must have built up somebody. She got it built up and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I was glad they had somewhere to stay. What they done about it after I the paper, what kind of? But I had done in black and white that I did that. So. Mhm,
4: mhm.
8: But she put them against me, tell them and I was done that from and this and that. I put them through school. I put them through school all the best mm-hmm. way I could. And I never had no big, big, do- big job. Mm-hmm. But I've done all I could do from put them through school until I get up. i done from until the, each one was 14 years old, 18, whatever I had to do.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, yeah. Those I
8: went to the court one time mm-hmm. and the judge looked at me and says, Mr. Hudson, you mm-hmm. have to pay the money. I say yes, sir. I said, I'm always paying, but I say I can only pay when I get, sir. I said, I'm not going to steal no money to pay mm-hmm. him, nobody.
4: Mm-hmm. He
8: said, no, well, I agree with that. I said, well, when I get, I give, sir.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: But I can't give when I not got. And Mm -hmm. I said that's what she expects. Right. So, no, no, no come out of that. So, Mm -hmm. that that Mm -hmm. was that.
4: Mm.
8: But then that was, I got out of that that situation. Mm -hmm. Then, (laughs) then I got along with my, when I was walking up Villas of the Galleon, no. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Was that before that or after that, no? No, before that, I walked at the the Harbor Heights Hotel. This is after I quit Day. Road. Where,
3: where was Harbor Heights
8: Hotel? Harbor Heights Hotel is right by where the jungle is, mm. just about the public beach. Mm-hmm,
4: mm-hmm.
8: I worked there for six and a half years, I was maintainer okay. and so on spot. Okay. I used to make all the water for that hotel across uh-huh. the road where the jungle is. Yes. It was nothing but swamp on that side, you know. And okay. I had a house over there with a desalination plant, oh. yeah, and I used to make the water. And this is how i come off the ships, this mm-hmm. was in the early 70s. Yeah,
3: yeah.
8: And I used to walk out, yeah, this was the early 70s. Cause I, was, uh, I used to work the hydrator uh-huh. the, the, the on the ship too for making the water, you know.
4: Uh-huh, uh-huh.
8: And uh, I was making, I used to make the water and that pipeline coming across the road over to the cisterns. Uh-huh. And when I had one unit at the time and I went there, it was this unit. Then they had this unit on the bottom, it was halfway up. Uh, asphaltic, asphaltic, asphaltic. I think it was, yeah, it was built in there. Uh-huh. And uh, Anyway, before I left it, I built up this one and then I built up the third one in the middle too. But mm. I was uh, over there making water and pumping water across it, the, the whole kept in the water. Mm. I worked there six and a half years. Wow. Even after I leave there, people used to come ask to me, oh, where this line is, where that line is, where the next thing mm-hmm. is. But I had to know the whole ground and everything, you know. So,
4: mm-hmm,
8: mm-hmm. so this was but right after I stopped, stopped in 1970 from the mm-hmm. ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then I. Uh, okay. And I got, uh, I started working for six and a half years. But this, at this time, when I came back, I went and walked, walked Villas of the Galleon, I was walking Willows of the Galleon. Mm-hmm. Um, just after me and the West And that's where I met my ex-wife, Tamara. She was just 16 years old when I met her. She had just come out of school too. Mm-hmm. So Mina got, I was kind of old for her, so a little older. Mm-hmm. But Mina, come out, Mina got together and stuff like that. And we ended up getting married, and that's where I,
3: um Yeah, two Kin- more yeah,
8: two girls with her. That's where Christ and Krista come from.
4: Yeah.
8: Yeah. So me and her together eight and a half years before we got married, I said I would never ever get married again after what this woman mm-hmm. had done me.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: But then after that I said, you know, it the benefit of kids. The kids are my children are my, my, my weakness, you know. Yeah. So I said it benefit the kids, it looked better than they gotta get married. So when I told her, I said, you are gonna get married, because she had told her mother she was coming to live with me, but I didn't want to get married mm-hmm. she was still coming to live with me. Anyway, we were going on okay. We were pretty happy. And we used to go to this way. I used to come to the States all the uh-huh. time. Things like that. And Anyway, um, this, this, but eight, I think eight and a half years,
4: uh-huh.
8: we were together before we got married. And we got married, we were married three years. Wow. And the other day she told me, she said, we're finished. I said, well, but yeah, that one lasted longer than ten. Yeah, that, that one, one did I, that, good. Yeah, that, that one
3: Yeah, 10. that one did really good.
8: <laughs> yes, but you know we had our ups and downs, and I mean, of course, I done wrong, but yeah. she done a lot wrong
4: too.
8: Yeah. Okay, I, I I never put on. But she was so much younger than you. I'm sure that probably played a
4: large part. Well, it did it a way.
8: Russian in the guy, know they going no, to start Russian start going in, you know then they gotta have something else to complain about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's just causing it on itself, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well Russia not
3: gonna money again, I guess, to help them, because they yeah. used
8: to help them too. Yeah, but the other day Russians uh destroy ship was up in the, in Cuba. Mm-hmm. There. But um man, I you I, I, I see, you know, no no this this, this wife now, she gonna leave me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and 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 for uh, I asked I say what what have I done you? Mm-hmm. I hear that you're saying that I keep touching her too much, and I ask about sex too much. <laughs> oh, and this Lord and that. And I, I'm 80 years old. I'm I going to do too much.
3: <laughs> you got time to find another one, you know. You can go another 10, 10 years. But if you
8: do it once, if you do it once out of four once, you know what I mean, you wake up the morning and you saying well, what happened? If I had a I nothing and I'm away from bed. <laughs> oh, God.
2: <laughs> you know what I mean?
8: So, anyway, Oh, now, yeah, Mina, yeah. Mina, Mina was talking up there today, you know, so I said, well, mm-hmm. how, how can you do us this? How can you do this to us? Yeah. So Mina was really good. I thought, I thought she was, I thought this would be been the nice. end Mina was spending time together. And that's what she told me today. Mm-hmm. She said she got wrong with me because she had had three bad deals herself. If I think about her deals that she had really bad. Yeah. And then she had kind of put, say, well, she was forgetting about the money business too. So Mina got together. and She said "Really, because she found me different and stuff like that.
4: Uh-huh.
8: We said, well, we could probably make it today in their yeah. lives, you know, and mm. that's all, that's what I see, where I see it. That's how I like it, too.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: But now, I don't know, now she's...
3: You never know, it might still work out.
8: Yeah, now she'll be still talking, she'll still love me, and knowledge got, it. But she needs space, space, space. But mm. this thing, this thing, I don't know what it is. I don't know, mm. I don't know how but it's... But I know t-
3: for Spanish woman Tell me she needs space.
8: It treat me bad, you might know be,
3: Might be something else going on, but anyway, but, we won't get into that.
8: <laughs> yeah, I well, know, but uh, I tell you the God's truth. Mm. I'm not saying it couldn't be happened. But knowing her, I don't believe it.
3: Talk about then. You talked a little bit about your your career. Um, now you're how old are you now?
8: Eighty-one, now.
3: Eighty-one. Wow. Yeah. You look very good for eighty-one. I must yeah. say.
8: Yeah. Oh, I wasn't. Yeah, I mean you don't look eighty-one. Yeah. I had a I had a a, a fishing boat too, you know.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: But uh, I will show you the boat. I had a fishing boat called Deep Sea Fox.
5: Mm-hmm.
8: I used to do charter fishing. I did that for ten and a half years. Okay, Yeah, I Beautiful. did that for 10 and a half years. I was on heavy equipment, me and my brother had some heavy equipment, but we did that a couple of years and
4: mm-hmm.
8: I turned it over to him and I went and got a gas station, um, mm-hmm. a gas station at West Bay. I had that for an option of five, for a year with an option of five, mm-hmm. but uh, Rayburn Farrington. But he was charging me so much for that that uh, Hussein had Alice Station in Georgetown. Mm-hmm. I don't know you can remember all about that. You can remember all about that. Where the post office way, uh, Cale Wireless is, now where cable Wallace is, a gas station right in that corner there, mm-hmm. called Alice, it was Alice gas station, and who mm-hmm. say had started that, who say had that, that way he started, he was paying us something like, like uh, six hundred fifty, or something like a dollars a month,
4: mm-hmm.
8: and he was pumping like something like, like uh, sixty thousand gallons of gas a month them times. I had Rayburn gas station over here and he would charge me $1,100 a month mm-hmm. and I wanted pop like 30,000 gallons of gas. Mm-hmm. And no, no space to sell any gas was not much. Mm-hmm. I remember was the only story I stores out there in MacArthur. Had jewelry and that. He told me, well, give it to me. The place that I had by the gas station was like this. Mm-hmm. Put a couple of bag of chips and a couple of drinks in the fridge.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: I had a be there from 5 o'clock in the morning, breaking down them big black tires and all kind of thing to mm-hmm. get McEn's meat. Yeah. You know, to try to pay him. I remember taking $3,000 on the account. We went to Miami and buy some things. When I come back, the company Couldn't he pay it off? I sold drugs and paid it off. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I asked him time and time again. I say, I asked his sons, Charlie. I said, Charlie, mm-hmm. talk to you, Daddy. This is too much money <coughs> charging me. He said, mm-hmm. Ken, I can't run but to talk to the old man. I went and talked. I said, Mr. Rayburn, you got to do better than this mm-hmm. to me. He looked at me. He said, Ken, I cannot live off less of less of this. Mm. You know? Anyway, I said, all right. He had had a heart attack one time. So I said, okay. Now, his Mm -hmm. father had left him all kind of money, you know, all that kind of thing, with a child Anyway, when when the year was up, I gave it back to him stock, the same way, and even I gave him the keys. I said, okay, check your business. And I said, now, Mm -hmm. you take these keys, Mm
4: -hmm.
8: and the next heart attack you get, you carry this gas station with you. The color went like that, like that, like that. I said, no, 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 I said, don't do it now. Then I said, i kill you, wait till I go away from you. Wait till I go. And you know, I never spoke oh to him. since. said, time and time, he tried to talk to me after that. Then oh. he tried to talk to me, I turned my back and walked away. Oh, no. Oh, I wouldn't talk to him now again.
3: That bad blood then? I didn't no, talk I to him now that. again.
8: He died oh. and I wouldn't speak to him after that. Oh. No, I, no, I can't stand them kind of people, man. I mean, oh, I, they're goodness. too craving, man, too. too. Mm-hmm. You know, Unfortunately, we got a lot of comedians like that. Yeah, not you. only him, I'm sure, but, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. I, I'm a person that I got, like, I, I got the hatred for kind of things, you know. As
3: you look back in your life, what would you say is your greatest accomplishment? You're talking about how much you love your children, so I'm guessing it's probably your four girls.
8: Well, I would have to say my children, yes. Yes. I love all of my children. I love all of them dearly. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well
3: thank you so much um, for speaking with us
8: today yeah I couldn't I couldn't tell you about all the places that I've been and all the things that I've yeah, done because it's a lot I go through all the places that I've been it would have kept you off at night <laughs> and they tell you all these things you know I mean I'm up the Persian Gulf you know about this kind of thing like I see
4: yeah
8: all like up there now the Persian Gulf now you can't go there now you can't go in there
4: mm-hmm.
8: you go in there you get shot we used when we used walking we used to go there and go off the ship play skittle, go shore and all that. Mm-hmm. Like the, water, all the kind of thing was different. different wow.
3: Different times. Different places. Yeah, What's been, been the have... biggest change in Cayman that you've, in your eight one years, that you've seen? And do you think it's
8: good or bad? It's bad. Mm-hmm. But if I had, a, 60 years ago, mm-hmm. 65 years ago,
4: mm-hmm. if
8: somebody had told me that Cayman was going to be like this today,
4: mm-hmm.
8: I would have told them, I'd say, you're mad. You need to go to the mad house.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: Nobody could see that. But it's just like nobody could see. I could have been a millionaire, too. Yeah. The
4: whole Excuse world has changed st- Yeah, Yeah, I could have been years, a millionaire. Yeah.
8: When I was going to sea, I could have sent home enough money to buy half the seven-mile beach. Wow. You know what I mean? Those days. Mm. Because nobody was buying beach land. Everybody wanted to go on the other side of the road because the beach land couldn't grow nothing. Yes, nobody yes. would put thousands there. You just in didn't there. see it coming. Nobody saw that coming. That's right, yeah. What, yeah. But uh, the thing is, I, I, I think... Okay, let me put it this way. The whole island had to move. Because the world was going more all the time, getting mm-hmm. more all the time. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't keep the island stopped completely. But I think they moved too fast with it. Mm-hmm. I think they moved it too fast. They should have mm-hmm. done it more slow than what they've done. I think I think they moved it yeah. too fast. And you see though today, today there's nothing happening here for Caymanians no more, you know. Yeah. It's happening now for foreigners.
4: Mm-hmm. It's not
8: happening for Caymanians. No matter yeah. how you think about it, it's not happening for Caymanians. Mm-hmm. T-minus might, might get enough money to build a house, a little house or something, mm. but the bigger part of the thing that's happening here is foreigners. Yeah. I guess the
3: question is, you know, how, how could we have slowed it down given how fast the world was going? I mean, when you think about things like smartphones and computers and yeah. even in the past five years, the things that you can do with technology that five years ago you couldn't do. Yeah. If okay. you don't keep up, you get left behind.
8: Well, yes, yes, but we wouldn't have got left behind. They were saying that I, this is the island of time forgot. Mm-hmm. But believe you. We wouldn't have got left behind. We would have mm-hmm. been much. To me, we would have been further ahead right now because people would have respected us more for the way we was. Mm-hmm. But I anyway, appreciate you so much. Yeah, uh, like I said, I, I, I did a lot more than I could sit on and talk to you about. But I can yeah. all day. But all the places that I've been, the things that I've seen, happen, and the things went through. Oh my God, so much. But I, I'm glad for all the sailing. I'm mm-hmm. glad for all the things that I've done because to me, it brought me so much discipline. Yes. You know, I have saw the way people live this way, the people live that way,
4: mm-hmm.
8: all of these things. If I hadn't been sailing, I would have never know or see that. Mm-hmm. I've been all over the world round it a couple of times, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. hardly in a place you can name right now that I haven't been. Wow. You know, it'd mm-hmm. be hard for you to name some place that I haven't been. That was a seaport. Right. You know, maybe inland in the middle or somewhere different. But mm-hmm. anywhere on the seaports, anywhere you think, mm-hmm. I've been, I've been, oh, I've been, I've been here and there,
4: mm-hmm.
8: been all over. Yeah.
3: Well, But thank you, my dear. We thank really the Lord. It. I'm still here. I'm yes. still here. I'm
8: giving the Lord thanks, you know.
3: Absolutely. I, I
8: had a close one the other day. Okay. I had a close one. I'll tell you this one. I had a close yes. one the other day. Well, uh, I've been living in the Lord for a long time. i I'll tell you this too. I gave up mm-hmm. cigarettes, 19 months. When I was on the ship, I was out 24 months that time. Or 25 months, something. Mm-hmm. I'd given up cigarettes for 19 months.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: But I wanted to put on the cigarettes because I came to the conclusion that if you smoke grass, you get high. If you drink alcohol, you get drunk. You drink too much water, mm. you get bellyache. <laughs> you smoke cigarettes all day, you get nothing. And I had enough nothing.
4: Mm.
8: So I didn't need no more that. So I say, Well, kid, mm-hmm. if you wake up in the morning, your bread is bad. Give up cigarettes. There's Mm -hmm. no good to you. It's an artificial thing that people make. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay. Nineteen months, I gave them up on the ship. Mm -hmm. Coming home, 1963 November. Mm
4: -hmm.
8: I flew from Rome, paid off the ship in Rome in Genoa. Went to Rome, got the TWA from Rome Mm -hmm. to New York. Got in New York, must have been around about about 2 o'clock, somewhere around 2 half of twelve, two o'clock, one,
4: two
8: o'clock in the morning. hmm Okay. I met Hal Subodhan. mm
4: mm-hmm.
8: He was up by his sister's place in New York and he was going, coming home too. But those days we had to use BWA again. Laksa mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There was no jets there, Prop planes. hmm So we leave, leave New York on Eastern, around like two something in the morning. We got to Miami around about five o'clock or so, something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, when we got to Miami, Miami uh, was completely different from where it was those days. Mm-hmm. And, and when we got there, oh, everybody was moaning and crying. No bar was open, no restaurant was open, everything was locked down, everybody was moaning and crying. Cry.
2: They
8: were mm-hmm. having the rehearsal of President Kennedy's burial on television. they mm. yeah, had just, okay, that was November 63. Oh
3: yes, okay.
8: <clears throat> anyway, Hansen said to me, he said, well, what a place, we got a drink. I hear that half cut. <laughs> I remember I had a little bottle of Seagram's Veo and one of Gordon's Gin mm-hmm. in my coat pocket from coming across with the TWA.
4: Mm-hmm. I said,
8: come, we got one to drink. We had round one column and I took the Seagram's V.O. out and just mm-hmm. tasted. it, because it's all a drink. Yeah. I just tasted, it and gave it to him and he drank it. And I reached in his pocket and took out a Slim Jim cigar mm-hmm. and started to smoke. Mm-hmm. After 19 months, giving him up. Mm-mm. I come home and I smoke one cigarette today, then tomorrow, then the next day I smoke one again like this. I said, Ken, man, you haven't given up cigarettes yet. you got to give them up.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: I went home. This is true now.
4: Mm-hmm. I
8: went home. I knelt <laughs> down by the bed and I prayed to the Lord. I said, Lord,
4: mm-hmm.
8: please help me give up cigarettes one more time.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: I'll never touch them again. I said, you know, you know, Lord, better mm-hmm. than I do mm-hmm. that I really want to give up the cigarettes. Yes. I said, Lord, you know this. Mm-hmm. Please help me. But That was in November. Old Year's night. See me here. Down by the Blue Horizon Club. Down by Mr. Hoskins, I where my brother club, Dalmene club, mm-hmm. Blue Horizon was. We was down there we were eating the Oskins grape trees. Drinking some beers because some of the people on the club. It was Old Year's night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. About 5 minutes to 12. All year's night, something said to me, he said, Ken, don't make New Year catch you smoking. Mm-hmm. I took the Winston, I was smoking Winston, I took the pack out of my pocket and I threw them away. I said, Well, you come back to me because I'm not coming back to you. Just like that. I remember playing. I, mm-hmm. must have been, I must have been there for another hour or more, after one o'clock anyway. We were leaving and mm-hmm. something said to me, Ken, them cigarettes I'm not come back to you, you're not going back to them. I never smoked one since. Wow. I couldn't do it on my own, but the Lord helped me done that. Mm-hmm. And I uh, done and prayed. I said, Lord, you know better than me that I want mm-hmm. to do it. Mm-hmm. And he helped me done that. I never smoked one since. Wow. Yeah. Mm. And that was, saying. Now I, I was, one time I was uh, come home on the ship, we were drinking, partying, went to to place, little rest bar, had a tear gas gun in my pocket and dropped on the ground. But through, a guy named Wallenford was actually at me. I tell him, leave me alone, leave me alone. He mm-hmm. wouldn't stop. I broke off a Henrikin bottle and I rushed for him. And the guys grabbed me and the gun dropped, the pen dropped on my pocket, but it was tear gas. I brought it home. You know? mm-hmm. And I knew if it hit the floor, it was going to go off. So as it dropped, I bent mm-hmm. down to pick it up, but it went off, caught me in the face. Oh, coming wow. up in the bar, right? I staggered out the door and on his car hood. And oh, I went gosh. out there. When I woke up, I went back to the telegram. I'm sorry. When I went back, he had the cash still hugged up still. Everybody else oh, had gone. my gosh. I water big in my fingernail, dropped not his eyes. But he wouldn't turn that cash register to loose. I went to tell him so I was sorry. But I mean him were good friends. Yeah. I, I said, Mike, he said, he reached under the bar and grabbed a thirty-eight. He said, can out of the effort place? Out of the effort He put it in my head, bam, bam. No went off yet. He took a stuck under the window and bam, out of the door and went off. If you think i am let you ask Ronnie or ask Carlton, he wouldn't even tell you. Wow. They couldn't understand it. So, Lord, you know, was. You know, was your no, time? No, had a mission for me. Yeah. The other day, I was out fishing, not knowing anything wrong with me at this side. Well, I know I had a bad wad in my heart from Dr. Kriegel telling me, but according to her, it was not bad, it didn't need that much operation than I got. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a pacemaker that I put in, <laughs> in Cuba, because I had a, put a stint at one time. Cuba. So the other day I woke up and I felt a dizzy. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I want the manager I said, Can I check the doctor. I went came on a big, mm-hmm. they done an ultrasound, they've done a cardiologist, mm-hmm. said it in the sherry. Four days time Dr. Benoit called me. I didn't know him before that. He called me, he said, hey, Mr. Hudson, come up. I need to talk to you. Mm-hmm. But I went up there, drove up there, <coughs> and I was in the living room, in the waiting room. He come out, him and the nurse will stand in front of me and shake his head. I didn't know. He mm-hmm. said, come. We're going to his office. He said, how you get here? I said, I drive. He said, you drive? Mm-hmm. I said, he said, you know, you're not supposed to be walking. He mm-hmm. said, right now you shouldn't even be walking. Anyway, I got in his office. He said to me, you heard of sudden death? I said, yes, I've heard of it. I've seen it. He said, well, that's right where you are now. He said, you could shut down in a second right now talking to me. Not in a minute. He said, in a mm-hmm. second you could just shut out. Mm-hmm. He said, sit down. I saw down. He said, you got four valves in your heart. Mm-hmm. And he said, your aorta valve is the main valve. That's where the blood coming through for your system.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: He said, right now the outlet on that valve is about the size of a pinhead. Mm-hmm. He said, he say, you know what your heart is doing right now to push blood through your system? He said, the walls is even getting tight.
4: Mm-mm. I said, well, Doc,
8: you frightened me now. He said, I don't want to frighten you, but I'm telling you, he said, I came over expecting expect me to find somebody in a wheelchair or with a walking stick.
4: Wow.
8: I didn't talk about find somebody like you. God did what he looked at and think right?
4: Mm-hmm.
8: I said, well, Doc, you got to do some <coughs> about this now. Right. He said, well, I can't do it right now. I said, will you tell me I can shut down in a second? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what kind of story is it? He said, about three, four days' time. I said, will you tell me three, four days' time? And you, tell me I can shut you down might be dead. <laughs> I said okay doc, that's okay, I'll hang in four days with you. <laughs> and on the fourth day he called back, went up on a Friday and checked me for thoughts. In, came in the table. It was nothing, in theater on Saturday. but seven hours of operation. Mm-hmm. It stopped my heart, took it out, put a while in it, put it back and started back. Wow. So I get back to you for twenty years. And here I am today. That happened on the 16th of December, and he told me I could come home on the 20th, but I came home on the 2nd. Wow. They're good. I bring them up on all, two shows after I came out. Every five seconds somebody's there, you need this, you need <coughs> mm-hmm. this, you want this, you want it, you need this, you want it. hey. When he told me I could come home on the I said, no, doc, I need attention, so I can stay, I can mm-hmm. get a good one. And I stayed two more days I just for that.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
8: Yeah, they're good, they good, hey, they're good up there. They know, they're wow. no business. Wow. So, Lord gave me another chance again. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He have a mission for me. I know he have a mission for me. I can feel that. He mm-hmm. haven't told me yet. I don't mm. remember him telling me, but he had a mission for me. Mm. He'll give it to me, I'm sure.
4: Yes. Yeah.
8: I don't know mm. what it is, where, well, is, the, where, sure, is sure. where is the end of being a preacher, <coughs> Yeah. or what yeah. it is. but is. I'm
3: sure this story will be a testament to a lot of people,
8: trust yep. me. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything I'm saying here is facts, it's mm-hmm. like not one word of life, all facts, mm-hmm. but the Lord is there. Mm-hmm. If you believe in Him, you have to believe in Him. Because he knows whether you believe in him, he knows better than you whether mm-hmm. you believe in him or not. You have to believe in him for it to work.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: I know that from the cigarettes. I tell you I promised him that and they went for me like like, like I never I was smoke one before. Wow And every time before if I took a drink, I wanted to smoke. Or mm-hmm. if I had something I wanted to smoke this time that's t- it. Like they never existed. Wow He helped me. He, 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 he knew I wanted to give it up. that's the thing he yes. knew I wanted. To give it.
3: yeah, he had the willpower. Thank you so much.
8: Okay, thank Mr. you.
3: Mr. Hurlston. Got a, a, a little
8: piece for you. Yeah,
3: it's been such a pleasure. Yeah, thank I you I really too. appreciate you. Glad, All glad, right. I'm
8: glad, I'm glad, I'm glad. Okay.
4: Thank you very much.